Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Get your pineapple and ham pizza right here mm. at Rennes Pizza. Neptune Beach, off mm. Atlantic Boulevard. Austin Lane here and just ordered one up. That was pretty good of him. Sure didn't. Submarine sure Mike is here. He's ordering one up. Sure, he's not either. Fortno is here ordering one up. Wow, you're just uh, you're starting to show up everybody. with about ten lies right now. It's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, come on out and uh, order some pie. Uh, come on over two for one at Renna's Pizza. We are here until 6 o'clock. It's happy hour. And I'm also buying you a pineapple and ham pizza if you... Uh, Come make an order at uh, Renna's. So if you want, you know, or just hello. don't waste food or whatever like that. So just come and get the pizzas that you people like. Yeah, you'll like it. If you're yeah. going to like a pineapple and ham pizza, you'll like it from Renna's Pizza. Brett Morton, <laughs> Austin Lane, Coos back in the studio. We are live on the road on a Friday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Good to be here at the newest location for Renna's Pizza. They have five locations in Jacksonville. This one has been open uh, just about a year. In fact, uh, in May, celebrated a one-year anniversary right near the beach. Uh, not necessarily a beach day or at least a beach afternoon. And maybe you're coming off the beach now that school's out. So you come on by for some pizza and two-for-one happy hour here at Renna's. Come on, say hello to us uh, on ESPN 690. A lot to get to. Jaguars wrapping up OTAs, of course, today. So that's in the books. That's probably a good feeling for those guys, right? Oh, without a doubt, man. I mean, you're talking about putting in the time and effort, especially in this kind of weather. It's one thing to be in, you know, even Kansas City was, uh, when I went to Sutlick like, training camp there, it felt like a breeze compared to Jacksonville. So I'm sure those guys are excited to get done. Did they have an ice cream day today? Uh, I don't even know if they did. I was driving we heard back word? from Brunswick. Okay. So uh, I'm assuming they had a little bit of that kind of day. A little uh, sweet treat? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ice cream day. Ice cream's never, never get old, whether you're uh, 8 years old or 28 years old. Oh, it doesn't matter. And playing in the NFL. Uh, that, that, what was your favorite ice cream off the ice cream truck? Good call. Uh, so, I, I was a bomb pop kind of guy. Oh, yeah, that's you know, good. I was, uh, yeah. I was a sucker for, for the colors. Uh, the, the white part was horrid. But um, for, for, for whatever reason, man, I always kept getting it. So, it is what <laughs> it is. bomb made up for it. Yeah, exactly. You? <laughs> what about you? Uh, I didn't mind the old... I remember, I'm not a chocolate fan. Yeah. So either the strawberry shortcake, or remember that little sherbet thing? I don't know what it was called, but it had like a, a gumball at the end oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yep. What was it? A screwball. 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 There you go. Submarine Mike coming up with the name. Yep. I figured... One screwball would have the name of a screwball. Uh, that, that sounds like a whiteboard question, actually, doesn't call, it? Absolutely. Uh, what was your favorite ice cream off the ice cream truck? Uh, so, uh, anyway, Jaguars now go to, to mandatory minicamp, and Jalen Ramsey is scheduled to talk next Tuesday to the media, so I'm assuming he's here, and, and we did hear yesterday that he's in town, mm-hmm. and no surprise that uh, Ramsey will be here. Everybody will be here except for Telvin Smith, unless there's a, a surprise and Telvin Smith will, uh, shows up. Keep in mind, Telvin Smith's still on the roster. Yeah. Until he gets designated something, so that's why it's worthy to at least bring up Telvin Smith. Yeah. Until something happens with him uh, in a roster spot, and that might not happen all the way well, until after August in training camp. And how would that? So say he doesn't show up. How does that designation work? Like, can they? I mean, because it's not an injury. Thing, well, he'll get fined. Okay, so he'll get fined. He'll get until they designate him. Until they make some kind of designation, he will get fined the next next week. But that's, that's what I'm saying though. Like, what, what can they actually say? About, I mean, because you can't put him like an IR, right? Because he's not hurt. So is there like some kind of like, I don't know, like a, like a family designation? Like a, there are a bunch of different okay, designations. Different okay. There's injured. There's reserve. Retired. There's there's whatever they. 
I think okay. put Marshawn Lynch on for a while. I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I don't know that part of it, the sure. transaction. But there's a bunch of different ones, and it impacts what the salary cap or hit will be, and and what kind of cap space opens up for the Jaguars, and all these different things. So it mm-hmm. will trigger a lot. It's important that designation, and some of that is how he, I think, wants to designate what this is. Sure. You know, and it doesn't seem like it's retirement, right? He didn't indicate that. He said he's just not going to play in 2019, and there's a long time between now and 2019 season still three months where he could still change his mind, mm-hmm. uh, especially once he starts getting fined. So be interesting to see what the timetable of that is, but uh, I think he will be fined uh, next week. And maybe later he could appeal that fine if he chooses to designate himself one way or another. But uh, uh, that will be part of it. So it looks like everybody will be here. That's good news for the Jags. Mini, mandatory minicamp uh, versus OTAs. What's the difference? Uh, so the OTAs where it's more of, um, I want to say, I don't want to call it a walkthrough, you know, but it's more of like a dress rehearsal where you're kind of getting the X's and O's down. Um, it's, it's a little more of seeing kind of what you have, uh, from a depth perspective. I think mini camps kind of the first time you actually put some of the install in. I'm not saying it's going to be a complete install, but you're, you're starting to you're starting to have practices that, that are more suited towards like the regular season, you know. So you're uh, you're kind of starting to see your starting lines because one would think that everyone's going to be there in full effect. So if everyone's there, then yeah, you want to put your first team defense out there versus your, maybe your first team offense a little bit. And granted, it's it's not going to be I think as intense as training camp is, or at least it wasn't when you know when, when I participated in those things. But it's kind of like the next step up from OTAs. All right, uh, and uh, big news around the NFL yesterday, and Carson Wentz getting that big money deal, big extension, uh, now over thirty million dollars. He's in the thirty million dollar a year quarterback club. And yeah. think about the two quarterbacks the Eagles had on their roster just. A couple of months ago, mm-hmm. and they are making some cash. Yeah, well, <laughs> in the NFL. And listen, and the the when it comes to starting quarterbacks, it's always going to go up like the the price of inflation. So it really makes you wonder these next couple years. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, back up the bricks truck in advance because this yeah. dude is about to make a away. ridiculous amount of money. Well, what they is do it? Do have a fifth year option now, so this is year three for him. So yes. they'll have this year, next year, and then of course whatever the CBA determines. That's true. Why I think contracts are going to be interesting right around CBA time, mm-hmm. and then they do the fifth year option if they want to. Now it, they probably at that point will try to do something long term because, like we always say, even if you did the fifth year option, pick it up. Yeah. It, with inflation, with quarterback salaries going through the roof, who knows what they'll be in two or three years. Mm-hmm. So you're probably better off getting a little bit of a break by doing it earlier. I don't yeah. think they'll do it this year, but I think after next year or maybe going midway through next year, you might see a monster deal for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And in terms of Carson Wentz, I mean, the, it, it was no, uh, you know, it, 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 there was no mistake saying that he is the starting quarterback. He is the face of that franchise now. Um, now that the, you know Foles is gone, I mean, they wanted to pay him like he was the, the face of the franchise. I think he definitely is. Now, time will tell if he's going to be worth that kind of money, especially because his biggest thing is staying healthy. Yes. Right? And um, and it's not like he's a, he's, he's a smaller guy either. I mean, I think sometimes uh, he just caught a bit of bad luck with, you know, whether he didn't slide in the right time or whatever. But um, the biggest thing for him going forward now is going to be to try to stay healthy because they have, I think they have the offense to do it. Um, I think they have the defensive scheme to be successful. Uh, they play in a division where – you know, set aside from the Cowboys, I wouldn't be too worried about anybody else right now. So it is there for the taking, but once again, it's all about staying healthy. Well, regardless of whether they want to be, whether they ask for it or not, now the Philadelphia Eagles are under the microscope at the QB position. Hmm. Why? Well, because there's a 
part of that fan base and what we've heard, a part of that locker room that wouldn't have minded Nick Foles being the guy, being the future guy in Philadelphia. Now, regardless of what happens, they have the equity of a Super Bowl championship just two two years ago, Mm -hmm. and that city is still hungover from that, and that's okay. But we all have short memories, and now all of a sudden you have a guy that you let go to Jacksonville, and they had, in my opinion, they had to make that choice. They they had to go with Carson Wentz, the younger quarterback, the, the future, the guy that had already shown a lot of glimpses of being really good first but, round pick yeah they they were in a, an interesting situation uh really in in today's nfl probably a blessed situation to have to make that that yes. that decision yeah but the bottom line is now we weigh the two and we're talking about 88 million dollar man here in jacksonville nick Foles, or 128 million dollar man carson wentz in philadelphia and their paths and what happens from here on out over these next two, three years will be interesting to watch, will be compared naturally by everybody across the NFL. Yeah, and people got to remember, you know, I mean, in terms of uh, leadership qualities, Foles has been in the game a lot longer than Wentz has. So when you heard, you know, some players, and we didn't really see it in public, but we kind of heard rumblings, and like we always say, if there's smoke, there's fire. So I think there was some kind of truth to it where, you know, guys maybe wanted Foles a little more than they wanted Carson Wentz, but... Anytime you go to a Super Bowl and you look at the quarterback that won you that Super Bowl, that won you that championship, that that general, of course you're going to have some kind of attachment to him because he's the guy that actually brought the trophy home, you know. And with all due respect to Carson Wentz for setting him up for that position, it was Foles that you know that ended up getting him there uh, to the ultimate prize. So I think with Carson Wentz, I think he's still a guy. Like like I said, I mean he's he's a guy that's been played with injuries a little bit that hasn't been on the field a lot that hasn't I think really had the chance to. Um, exude leadership but he's still young and i think after the second contract now that's all taken care of that's one distraction that's out, you know out of the way um i think now he can focus on just being a solid leader and i only i only picture him going forward from here he's, he's a small school guy he's got a chip on his shoulder and i wouldn't be surprised if he's gonna be a great quarterback for the years to come i do like carson Wentz as a football player i really do yeah. um but the question is in philadelphia maybe even across the nfl at least for 315 on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Friday. Would you rather have Carson Wentz, 24, 25-year-old guy, good skill set, already a decent resume in the NFL, but oft injured, for $32 million a year? Mm -hmm. Or would you rather have Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl winning quarterback Nick Foles at 30 years old for $22 million a year? Don't answer the question. Good, but that's I don't the question be put on the to spot. be answered. Oh, no. You have about three minutes of a commercial oh, break. Yeah. And then I do put you on the spot. Yeah. What would you rather have if you're an organization right now? The Eagles did what they had to do. There was really no other choice. But given those two options, anybody across the NFL, $32 million Nick, uh, Carson Wentz, $22 million Nick Foles, what would you do? That's the question. You're always welcome to call in, star star 690 or 904-362-9901. Oh, the pizza smells good here at Rennes. I can smell the pineapple. Smell the ham. Smell everything else. They're enjoying it. You can, too. Come out and visit us. Rennes Pizza, Neptune Beach, or any of the five locations, but here today at Neptune Beach. It's a Friday. Hope you're having a good week and heading into the weekend in style. Everybody, come join us on Action Sports Jack on ESPN 690 until 6 o'clock. Yes, it is. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 rolls on from Rennes Pizza here in Neptune Beach. Come on out, say hello, join us on a Friday, head into the weekend uh, as your summer begins or continues. Uh, glad to say hello 
uh, to you if you stop on by. Two for one, happy hour here at uh, Rennes Pizza every single day, Monday through Friday. Two for one, happy hour at all five locations. Um, you can listen to our show and have happy hour every day. No, I'm not mad at that. That's pretty good, right? Not a bad little setup. All right. We will have some Jaguars players on today, and I say a couple. We've had a great week. Yeah, it is. Right? Yep. Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell, Maurice Jones-Drew, mm-hmm. yesterday Rasheen Mathis. A lot of fun with those guys, former Jags, as we continue to celebrate 25 seasons for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to do that every day in the month of June, and we have a little double dip today. Yes, we do. Coming up, Friday, we doing Mr. Things. Jaguar, Brad Meester. He's going to join us at 4.30, and Russell Allen from out in the left coast will join us at 525. Is he in San Diego? He, last I checked, he was in San Diego. Sounds about uh, right. He was coaching a little bit in San Diego. Okay. And uh, one of the good guys. Oh, yeah. You played with him for those couple of years. Of course, years, man. Was he yeah. back in 2010? Or, or did no. he come while you uh, after he you He was got there 2010, I think all up until um, I left there, 2013, if I'm not mistaken. He might have got hurt in 2012. Uh, it's crazy, just like you know, the, the the guys that come in and come out. But I, I mean, I distinctly remember him. He was he was starting along with Daryl Smith for a long time. So yeah, it'll be good to catch up with him as well. I haven't talked to that dude in uh, in a long time. We sure have had some nice guys around here in Jacksonville at the linebacker position, mm-hmm. haven't we? Yeah. I mean, think about it. Russell Allen's a great guy. Mike Peterson, I thought was a fun guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't play with him. No. Uh, but obviously, Paul Puz loves me. Yeah. Uh, you know, Telvin Smith has always treated uh, treated us us well mm-hmm. in the media. Um, despite whatever the heck's going on right now, we don't really know. The list can go on and on. But, I mean, there are some highlight guys from a a good guy Mm -hmm. in the locker room at that linebacker position. Something about the makeup of a linebacker? Well, you know, because it's funny. Like, if you ever watch, like, you know, movies growing up as a kid, these football movies, you always imagine, like, the linebacker to be, like, this crazy, you know, kind of psychotic kind of dude. And, um, and you know, maybe some of those dudes will, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to say the word crazy and psychotic, but I think Bill <laughs> Romanowski would be a good example of a guy who was an intense individual. We had an intense interview with him. We did. Uh, during Super Bowl week. And I think there's a lot of uh, linebackers like that. But, you know, and you do have to be an intense individual. Like, don't get me wrong, Puzz may not have been the most vocal leader, but he was still an intense individual. Same thing with uh, Buck, or uh, as you know, Daryl Smith, we used to call him Buck. You called him Buck. Yeah, yeah. we called him Buck. So, I mean, they still have that intensity, but you also have, remember you have to be cerebral as well. You know, like I, I think of a guy like Luke Keekley, where, I mean, yeah, Luke Keekley's going to make a tackle, maybe celebrate, but he's not going to, like, you know, c- call someone's mama or anything like that on the field, you know, like do something <laughs> nasty. Like, I think, uh, and I think that comes to the cerebral part of it because. Not only as a middle linebacker do you have to come downhill and you have to basically, you know, take the collisions head on. Uh, that takes a special person, but you also have to, you know, know everybody isn't on the field at all times. I mean, you're kind of like the field general on defense, so they ask a lot of you, you know. So it takes a special type of guy to do that. All right, before the break, we'll get more in the linebacker talk a little bit later. We'll ask Russell Allen about that, and of course, we got all one of the all-timers, uh, Brad Meester, joining us. Yeah. Mr. Jaguar played the most games in Jacksonville Jaguars history, so been fantastic. We will continue that discussion of the 25th season of the Jags. Now this discussion continues. Before the break, I asked 32 million dollar quarterback Carson Wentz, 22 million dollar quarterback Nick Foles. Think of yourself as an organization anywhere across the NFL. Yeah. If you had to refresh the quarterback position. Heck, if you were the Jaguars and you had that choice, what would you do as a GM, a head coach, a team? What do you want? Mm-hmm. Is it worth saving the $10 million for Nick Foles at the QB position? Six years older, 
a little more experience, but obviously won't be as round, around as long from a franchise QB sure. uh, standpoint. But you have more flexibility now in building the rest of your roster because it's saving ten million bucks. No, you're absolutely right, and this is a this is a very very hard question, and honestly, I could go either way with it. Um, you know, and I think of it with like you know when Drew Bledsoe was a starting quarterback and the Tom Brady came up, but it's not even the same thing, right? Because Drew Bledsoe was the vet, yeah, and then the young guy came in and led him to the Super Bowl, so it's kind of flipped on its side it, it, there. It has a little bit though. That's not a bad example of it. Yeah, you know, Drew Bledsoe had good years in New England. Oh, of course. Now yeah. he wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he was beloved like Nick Foles by the time he he left because of winning the Super Bowl. But Drew Bledsoe was talented, and now you're replacing him with, okay, this guy, Tom Brady, who did it for a little bit. That was a great year, and everybody loves Tom. Yeah. But he's still Tom Brady, sixth-round pick, who hadn't proven a darn thing at that point. Yep. And you're replacing rifle-arm Drew Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Bledsoe, again, a little further down the road in his career, now injuries. Uh, that's a great comparison, well, kind of so flip-flopped, as you're saying, because Brady's the younger guy replacing the older so guy. Then, uh, then, so I thought of that first, Brent, and then immediately... And the money is different at that stage, exactly. too. But then immediately my mind goes to this. So you remember when Matt Castle had that great year in New England? Well, I imagine, like, what would have happened if Tom Brady, like, gets hurt before the Super Bowl and Matt Castle leads the Patriots to a Super Bowl win. Mm. What happens then? So I started thinking about that, but then it's like, well, Tom Brady has the resume already. So you know, entrenched. So you, so you can't yeah. replace him. So honestly, man, and, and maybe this is just, uh, you know, this is me um, being in the league and know how it operates, but you'd almost have to go with the younger guy. You know, I mean, if, if you think that their talents are about the same, which, you know, I think Wentz may have foals just a little bit in terms of quarterbacking. Not by much, though. I mean, especially what we've seen on the field so far, but... I, I got to lean towards the towards the y- younger direction. You just have to. I mean, that's that's the way the game's played now. Well, that's interesting. See, I, and I will disagree with you. Yeah. I now, mean, and, again, and, I, and, and, now listen <laughs> to me. I can argue, man. Listen to me. I'll disagree with you, but I think the Eagles made the right choice. See, the Eagles are the one team that, that have it a little different. They drafted yeah. Carson Wentz. They spent a high pick, an investment on him. They saw him as the future of the franchise, and they might be right. It looks like they are right. I mean, this is a guy that could still make a ton more money once he plays this contract out. Mm-hmm. So they had to do what they did there. I think they made the right decision. But if you ask the other 31 teams who you take, 32 million versus 22 million, Foles versus Wentz, I'm telling you, I think I'd take Foles because I want the flexibility in, in, in the dollars. I really do. And yeah. I think you can win. Obviously, Foles has proven it. And from a health standpoint, they've both, they've both been challenged to get through 16-game seasons. I think they're both playmakers. Foles has now proven himself to be a playmaker. And remember, for me, I love the 30-year-old quarterback. I love the guy who's been through some of the battles. And not a guy that's just trying to become a franchise quarterback, but a guy that proved two years ago and, and even last year that he can win games and win them in a big way. So if you look at the $32 million quarterbacks, who are we looking at? Like Russell Wilson. They're going to have a challenge building that team to win Super Bowls because of his contract. Aaron Rodgers, they already are challenged because of that big contract. I think the Eagles right now are in a situation where they have a lot of core players signed for the next couple of years, so they're in a decent situation. But if they don't win in this next two- or three-year window, it is going to become increasingly difficult to win because of the amount of dollars at the QB situation. Now, the CBA could change that. The salary cap going up could certainly change that. 
but as it stands right now, I think that that hinders you as an organization. I'd rather get one big-time wide receiver or decent wide receiver for $10 million more million or throw it toward an offensive yeah. lineman or throw it toward a tight end in free agency along with Nick Foles rather than Carson Wentz all by himself. But you have to ask then, if, if you disregard Wentz, what are you sacrificing? Because this is a guy in Carson Wentz who came in his second year in the NFL and was in the talk of MVP talks. You know, he, he had... Yeah. I mean, I, oh, I got the, tremendous. I have the stats right here. So in, tremendous. So literally in 13 games, he went 11 and 2, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That was his second season, Brett. And like you, you, you can't knock that, you know. And and yeah, maybe he had a fantastic team around him, but to go into your second year of the NFL and when, when you're still young, when you know when when you're still uh, green behind the ears, as I've been saying lately, <laughs> or wet or behind wet. the ears, whatever you want to hear. Uh, I used to hear green all the time, but. Uh, you can't deny that. And, yeah, Foles had one great year in Chip Kelly's offense as well, so don't get me wrong there. But, once again, was that more of just the, the predicament where it was unseen? Teams weren't ready for that no-huddle type of uh, fast-paced offense? Uh, possibly. And, and, once again, like I'm not hating on either quarterback here. I'm just saying you look at Carson Wentz's numbers when he's actually in. Now, yes, the health is probably the biggest outlier to me, and that's what makes me the most nervous. Yeah. If Carson Wentz is playing all these games, I have no problem saying, yeah, absolutely, Wentz over Foles. But and we we've seen Foles take shots too, you know, uh, oh, yeah. especially against Chicago. So uh, it, it is a horse apiece. But I just I cannot knock Carson Wentz's production was what he's done so far. Only three years in his career. So well, chime in, jump in. Uh, star star six ninety nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. Either number works. Uh, you can jump in on the conversation. Who would you take? Uh, Thirty two million dollar Carson Wentz. Twenty two million dollar Nick Foles. Keep in mind the Nick Foles contract can go up even more because of incentives. Uh, and you know what? We are going to get the answer to that in the next couple of years. I mean, sure. how they play. Can they stay healthy? How do their teams do? And I'll tell you what. With the, the guys on the roster, and if the Jags can come back to life a little bit this year, is it not even that far-fetched to imagine a situation where Foles and Wentz could someday meet in a Super Bowl in the next few years? <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's that's blasphemy to say. Listen, the Jags, they have to prove a lot to get... I'm not picking them to go to the Super Bowl. Don't hear me wrong there. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl here in 2019. But if they can do some things that are right on this roster over the next couple of seasons, if things go back to the way they were a bit in 2017 rather than 18, there's there's ifs for every team. I don't think it's far-fetched to see a situation. What a storyline that would be a year down the road, two years down the road, three years down the road to see Foles and Wentz. And if that were to happen, then obviously it worked out for both teams. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's as simple as that. So anyway, jump in on the conversation. We'll continue a little bit later on. I think it's also worth a look because how good are the the rosters? Is, Is Philly's roster that much better than Jacksonville? I would say it's probably better, but is it that much better? You know, um, I would say right now most people would say, yeah, it's pretty much a lot, a good amount better. Yeah, but if you look at the defense, I mean, I think the Jaguars actually have the edge. You know, Probably. I mean, they're not taking anything away from Fletcher Cox, who's an absolute animal. But when you look at the offensive side of the ball, the receivers that they have, obviously the tight ends that they have. The tight I ends, mean, big time, it yeah. is a very quarterback-friendly uh, offense there in Philly. It, it absolutely is. Uh, Hey, when we come back, I tweeted something today about youth sports, and it got a lot of attention. So I'm going to bring it to your attention. And also, to eat a burger or to put it down is also a big <laughs> oh, topic Oh, I think you already right got now. the answer on that. I was checking the I was a, checking the responses. Food is a big topic on the show this week. It's, it's going to be up. a unanimous decision on my end. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 rolls on. From Rennes Pizza, Neptune Beach.
One pineapple and ham pizza bought. Submarine Mike. Yep. No one from the Jacksonville Iceman. But kind of whiteboard competition. To be fair, though, it wasn't like he requested it for you to buy it. Like that was what you said you would do. I so would do it. You got so stay he, true to well, he took advantage of it. So well, no, he over. absolutely did. Just but it wasn't that like I'm going to buy it. It wasn't like he came in. Those like, all right, where's my pineapple pizza? I mean, he didn't really seem too pumped on it. And but he's, he's watching wrestling over in Saudi Arabia right I, now. I know, and, I, and I'm jealous. I should be watching wrestling in Saudi Arabia right now too. But what are you going to do, man? Yeah. Business uh, calls. But you know, I mean. Come on, it's, it's too Listen, I should be watching my daughter up in Brunswick right now, but I had to race <laughs> yeah. back. So we, we, we all we all make sacrifices, <laughs> Brent. Make... Wrestling, family, I mean, to each their own. Worked out we really well today, though. Like, you never, I raced up there last night to watch a game. I'm Kayla sorry, got, where's this at? Uh, Brunswick, so it's not far. Okay, yeah, yeah. an hour and 15 yeah. minutes up the road. Yeah, I've been there. It's amazing. They will put, you're just going to drive around in these parts, and all of a sudden, boom, this big complex. Yeah. Yep. It, it's what happens, but... Uh, and every community's got them, but they're just bigger and better than they've ever been. But uh, Kaylee, uh, so I got to see her pitch a little bit last night, came in for a couple innings. Okay. And it was a good game. It won, uh, won a good game late. And then today, won a good game. Sweet. And she pitched that one and, and was able to see her swing it a few times. So that's what it's all about, just getting up there and see. I could care less if they win or lose. I just want to see a few, little action. Of course, of course. Uh, how was her demeanor i mean we were seeing a lot of cheering or was uh, it was no, it the no, usual like kaylee I, good i told you good about i love it i love uh, it man. i had to remind her of the body language at times when things intensity. didn't go so well for one inning yeah that is um probably the thing kaylee needs to work on the most <laughs> <laughs> i like it she's intense There's nothing wrong with that oh she's intense all right yeah uh, yeah, there there is a there's a uh, kind of pissiness to Kaylee, like okay. on the diamond that is admirable. I love it, but there's a fine line. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, we don't need we need like, like, a, like a John Rocker situation going on here. Nah, nah, like it's that. not that bad. Okay, well, yeah, we're we're good, we're good uh, to go. But yeah, so um, it's you got you got to acknowledge all the good and the bad. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, okay, all so right. let me ask you this quick, Brent. Then, so when you played baseball, I mean, were you more? I was rah rah guy. You were rah rah guy. Yeah, okay. I was rah rah guy. You weren't really the intense kind of guy. Yeah, I was rah okay. rah guy to the point where I had teammates tell me to shut up. <laughs> yeah. I was. And you know what? Okay. I, I thought I tried it a bunch of different ways, okay? Because I was just an average player. And so for me, uh, in baseball, I used baseball IQ. You know, I knew the game. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so, you, again, you can get away with that stuff. But I wasn't, like, super talented, skilled. I, I don't know. You just I guess if I grew up now, I'd know what I was more. Mm-hmm. To me, I was just playing ball, and I was yeah, as good as I was, yeah, and, and that was it. You didn't to really, decide what you were. I yeah, hear you. In Rhode Island, you didn't really compare yourself against many people other than your teammates. Sure. And so, again, I was just pretty average. Mm-hmm. But when I got to college, everybody was pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, com- relatively speaking. And so I would try it a little bit two different ways. I'd be like, one game, I'd be like super quiet. I uh, just wouldn't say that much and and see if I could just spit sunflower seeds and enjoy the time out in the outfield. Sure. But it did not work for me. Like, I did not feel like I was in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it was just one of those things where if I had to kind of cheer a little bit and yeah. and, and kind of give situationals, uh, situations, you know, before a pitch. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, like uh, you know, you two know, up or whatever. Like that's two right, two, two outs, yeah, yeah, I throw a yeah. third, a guy on second. You yeah, know, yeah, I got cut, you. Go it makes you focus stuff a little like bit. Stuff like that. Not necessarily like, hey, let's go, Bobby. Hope you throw a strike. You know, yeah. not really that stuff, but. Uh, so I think I had to do that to stay in the game. Yeah. You know, pitch by pitch, it can be a boring game. Baseball yep. can. So, yep. uh, but I get other other people do different things. Anything like that for you playing 
Not necessarily rah-rah. I mean, football is yeah. totally different. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, did you have to have eye black on? <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, yeah, so I, that's actually that's a good call. Well, and as you know, as Maurice Jones-Drew has told you now, and has, so has Rasheen, and I'm sure anybody else that uh, that comes on on our show, I think some Derek Marks said the same thing, too. Like, Yeah, I was kind of the intense individual who uh, played with a lot of emotion, and some might call that me getting in fights all the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, especially, like, you know, before games, um, I had a big thing where I wear the eye black, so I was, like, all down my cheeks and everything like that because you know i didn't put it on like the normal way like i would i would literally put two in like my index fingers and my it would have been my middle finger and like just you know con- like look at myself <laughs> in the mirror and then kind of it kind of like war paint you know like yeah. i'm getting ready to go to battle it was straight so, out of what um what's it any given sunday any given sunday yeah yeah so i had to do that um, uh, take note people that was a movie reference yes by Brent. yes good call um, hopefully it was the right one no i think i think you're right and then I also, uh, I, I, I was a big music guy, so I, I had to crank the music, much to the dismay of Joe Cullen, who would tell me to turn that stuff down sometimes when he came through the locker room. But uh, I had to have the, the music go in my headphones, and then just, um, for whatever reason, like, if I was at an away place, uh, I would always hear someone trying to talk smack to me or my teammates, and then I would make it a habit of, like, talking smack to them, and yeah. just being like, and I, this is, I wasn't even talking smack to the, to the way, like, to the way team or to the way fans. It was more of just, like, me shouting, like, just, whoa! <laughs> the whole time, like trying to get in their face, so uh, I did that a lot. But Makes yeah, I mean, good. in retrospect, I was a I was a very emotional player, we'll say. Yeah, and yeah. that's interesting because you know, like Rasheen Mathis, we had on yesterday. Yeah, none of that. Well, and right, the, didn't, so it's, didn't see that. Like Popas was me, quiet guy. No, but on yeah. the field, I've been close enough on the sideline where he's intense mm-hmm. and he can be vocal when he needs to be vocal. Yeah, it felt like uh, it's, even though he's somewhat of a, I would describe him as a quiet, more Rasheen-like guy. It's funny uh, when Malarkey was the head coach for like one thing like during the middle of the season. We we got assigned to groups and there was like groups of four or five and I can't remember who was all in my group. I remember Greg Jones was with me, um, and I think might have, I might have been Don. I can't remember. It might Another have been Don Carey as well. Guy, yeah, but, but for sure. But we, we it was like a personality test. So we took these personality tests and then they put us in groups uh, that were all different than each other. So for instance, and I forgot like what each one was. Like I think there's like a square, uh, a diamond, a star, whatever it was. And I forgot, I think I might have been the star one, but the star one was, like, super emotional and super passionate. And, like, I think Greg was more of, like, the analytical kind of guy. Okay. So then what, what ended up happening was they put us all in the groups where we were different type of people. We had to have conversations, things like that. Uh, not sure if that works for during the football season or not, but that's what we were doing. And, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's amazing just, like, from personality types. But personality types and position types as well. Yeah, yeah. Because what, what they found that more, like, defensive linemen were more of, like, the kind of, like, the high strong emotional guys Absolutely. as opposed to offensive linemen who are a little more analytical. Yeah, well, and, and interesting if you look at the Jags, obviously mm-hmm. you said it, defensive linemen, they, they got a little screw loose at times. <laughs> you, you admittedly. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But then you have a guy like Calais Campbell yeah. who doesn't seem like Aaron Campman the same one when I was with Campman. him as well. Yeah. I would say even now as a young guy that we don't really know that well, and I, I haven't seen him mic'd up or anything, mm-hmm. probably hasn't played enough to know, but even a Taven Bryan, kind of unassuming, kind mm-hmm. of quiet along that defensive well, front. Well, Tyson Aluala was the exact uh, same way point. as well. So yeah. you do have a mix. It, it is a mix, yeah. But tradi- I mean, listen, I, I guess I say traditionally, but I mean, uh, I can name some guys on offense too that were kind of the emotional, um, you know, get in your face kind of guys. But I think those are a little, little more of a throwback kind of guy. Yeah, you know? I'm trying to think of offense. Now, offensive linemen, I get it. Yeah. But outside of that, there's so much concentration, and you almost have to be cerebral to a point mm-hmm. at the offensive side. Yeah. Where, like, I don't even know. Nobody jumps out at me. Like, Maurice Jones-Drew, who was kind of flashy and per- had a great personality. Yeah. I'm not sure he 
he on the field looked like that. No, exactly. Vocally. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of a wide receiver for the Jaguars that kind of was like almost like Jalen Ramsey might feel like on the other side of the ball. Yeah. I guess maybe like Mike Sims Walker. Um, but maybe that was just, just because like of the, 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 the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the celebrate. That's, that's what sticks out what to me about him. Chopper City Juke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I, I wanted so bad to learn how to do that. I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I guess I'm not coordinated yeah. enough. But, um, yeah, I mean, from, from the offensive position, you don't really see a lot of those guys. Like, Evan Britton's a perfect example well, yeah. of a guy who was emotional. But I'm yes. saying from, like, the skill positions, um, I feel like you can't have those guys because it's a completely different position. You're asking them to do a completely different thing. Yeah, that's a, it's good. It's interesting, the psychology of the position. Yeah, In it really sports is. in general. Yeah. But especially in football, where mm-hmm. you have to be so intense mm-hmm. and violent to a degree, yeah. Uh, yet you still get the difference in personalities. All right, I did tease uh, this this thing I retweeted on social media, uh, plus some burgers uh, conversation, <laughs> and a little balling and falling. It's all coming up here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I'll tell you all about it, and I want to go through this little tweet, and if you have kids that play sports or you played sports, I'm wondering if any ring a bell. We'll get to it. Coming up. On Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Renna's Pizza, Neptune Beach. Come on out. I'll buy you a small pineapple and ham pizza. In fact, Ty and I got one split. Pineapple and ham, sausage and pepperoni. Oh, it's so good. That's a bummer, man. That's a bummer. So good. What kind of pizza do you have over there? Uh, we got sausage and pepperoni. You know, gold standby. That's okay, too. Gold meat and potatoes. <laughs> Come on out, Renna's Pizza, uh, Neptune Beach, 3 to 6. We'll be here 2 for 1 happy hour as well. Stay with us on ESPN 690. Hey, hope you're having a good week, everybody. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane here. Coos is there in the studio. Uh, we, as in here, means Neptune Beach and Renna's Pizza. Come on by. Renda's Pizza, five locations in Jacksonville. But uh, today, we are here from 3 to 6, two-for-one happy hour, buying you a pineapple and ham pizza. Nice lady with uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. Jersey just came by. Yep. And uh, I'm buying. So yep. there you go. She seemed pretty excited about it, too. Um, hopefully. She's, yeah. She's going to be full after it. Yeah. And enjoy it. Yep. Not hey. like you would. To each, yeah, to each their own. You know, I mean, I'm not going to... Talk down about anybody besides the Martino clan when it comes to pineapple pizza, to which their own. I understand that. I was taught to have, uh, you know, treat everybody with respect. But it's a. I can um, only be pushed so far, Brent. It is a food kind of week. Sure is. Are we, are we doing this now? The the burger conversation has been good, so I put it out there, right? Well, I, you did, I, I then, saw it, and then I put it back out there. Well, and to be fair, I try to make up a poll question, and you're right; it's impossible to make a poll question. It's, it's with tough. It. It's yeah. tough to word it. Yeah. So anyway, we just basically said, do you pick up a burger and finish it, or yep. do you put it down? Take a couple more bites, eat some fries, yep. grab your drink, like you do. Normal. Uh, uh, like the world does, yes. Like um, the world does. <laughs> uh, let's see what some of the responses are. Oh, yeah, let's see them. I can't wait. Uh, I'm all ears, Brent. Fire away. i got a lot of youth sports ones in here, too. Do you want me to tell you what they say? Because I, I have it pulled up right here. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I won't say I've never... Okay, I'm sorry. I should probably say who it's from. Uh, Jags82, her name's Gloria. I won't say I've ever put one down after the first bite, but it's rare. Um, a couple of bites from Mark Spencer, the data cage. Oh, yeah, Mark Spencer. We had him on yesterday. Good dude. Uh, he said a couple bites, a couple bites of fries, sips of beer. Repeat. I like your style, sir. <laughs> uh, this is This is the one right here. 
PT Guy 2001, Dennis. I've never heard of Ed eating it without ever putting it back down. That's psycho. Thank you very much. That's what I've been campaigning for the past week or so. It absolutely is psychotic, Brent. And I think people like you, and I'm saying you people, need to be admitted and you need to be evaluated because it is not normal behavior. I probably should be evaluated. Yep. There's a lot of things uh, yeah. that I can't. But, I mean, you have a lot of responses here and nobody's agreeing with you. I'm saying nobody. Well, somebody did say how messy is it because Doesn't that matter, needs to though. be a prerequisite. Doesn't matter though. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. The only reason I can see why you wouldn't put it down is if you're driving. Then I can understand it. Driving besides, and eating a burger is not easy. Well, it's probably not the most ideal thing, right? No. <laughs> Get something else. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, you you don't. You have to put on the burger, Brent. All right. So uh, that was question number one. I it looks right. like you are finally winning a poll. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> finally. Uh, so I will I will tip my cap. Brent's conceding. Polls are closed. So I appreciate far. it. Not not closed. Okay. You can still support me <laughs> at Brent A.S. Jack. Somebody. And come get me out of the psychiatric ward, I guess. <laughs> uh, U.S. Elite Baseball tweeted this today. And this got a lot of attention on social media, so I'm bringing it to your attention. Because I think we can do a whole show, and I have some ideas for a whole show about youth sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this isn't going to be it. But in the next few weeks, I think uh, it is such a, an interesting realm. And there are so many tentacles to it. There are some things that I can't stand about it, but there are some things that I do like about it, uh, whether from travel ball to uh, parents to coaching to kids to, to whatever. And, and we're living it. So, you know, in my life, in my world, I am like in the middle of living it yeah. right now. And I might feel different five years from now when I'm kind of out of it. Uh, I could have felt different about these kind of things even ten years ago when I wasn't living it. So I'll be honest, you, you, when you're living it, it's a little bit different. But I know a lot of people out there listening and watching uh, on our, all our video platforms, get it, right? They're going through it. They might have a 6- or 7-year-old, or maybe it's a 12-year-old, or some might have already, some in college or gone through college and, and experienced this. And I will say, the one thing about youth sports is it has really changed in 20 years. You know, when I was, I was still going to college, 95 through 99, so that means high school days, 92 to 95, or 91 to 9, we had a three-year high school, so it was 92 to 95, but... It has really changed in the last 20, 25 years. Yeah. Just because of what specialization, dollars involved, competitiveness. You know, I, I, I used to tell my buddies down here when I first got here, and these guys first got into it, I said, it is a way different intensity level down here in Florida than it was back home. I can tell you that. Yeah. Guaranteed yeah. how much there is an emphasis on sports. I think uh, if you go to Texas and California and some of the southeastern states, I think it's the same way. Much like hockey probably is up where you're from in Wisconsin uh, and in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, so you feel it in different sports. It depends what sports you're in to different parts of the country. Uh, but anyway, U.S. Elite Baseball put this out. Parent reminders. No coaching from stands. No yelling at umps. No bringing drinks to players. No talking to players during the game. No carrying bags for players. No sitting in on team talks. No hanging out at batting cage. No throwing BP to other players as early BP. If you're late, he doesn't play. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, Ty. Uh, No wearing hats in public places. Do not come in our dugout. Do not talk to the coach during the game about your son. No profanity. That's too bad. No talking to college coaches. Okay. Wow. I mean... It's quite the laundry list there. That is a laundry list, and that is, uh, you know, Kaylee played for a team, actually. They had, like, um, what they call that, tie the bubble? They had, like, a bubble where the parents could not talk to the kids. It was actually, <laughs> it, or coaching stuff. It, it, was yeah. kind of, it was refreshing, I yeah. will say. Yeah. I will say. 
Now, my only thing about that is then you better be coaching and telling them the right thing. See, when I, when my kids always say, play the game the right way. Sure. So if you're not hustling or if you should have gone to second instead of first, I want them to understand that that's not – they didn't play the game the right way there. Mm-hmm. So I want – out of the coaches say, hey, you should have done this or this. Or Now it's big with Kaylee. This is what I get on Kaylee about. She has a pitcher. So I hate when she gives up 0-2 hits right down the middle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that's like my biggest thing right now I'm on her about. Like, yeah. And so as long as they're doing it, then that's fine. But she, if she needs to be reminded about it, well, I'm going to let her know about it because I want to see her improve no, of course, day in, day out. Now you can tell her after though. or whatever. Um, but we're all guilty of some of these things at some time. Yep. Do you have a problem with any of them? And, again, I get no coaching from stands, no yelling at umps. Now, listen, coaching from stands you don't want to do. Yelling at umps you shouldn't do, although everybody yeah, does it. everyone does that, though. Uh, and, and that's the – I've told you this. I want to do an expose sometime where I <laughs> am an umpire right. and mic everybody up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, well, and, and I want to talk hear. about be, being in therapy, Brent. You might be therapy after uh, yeah. you get yelled at by I think fans. being an ump is a tough thing to do. Yeah. It's an admirable thing. It's tough. We are all, everybody's competitive. I don't care if it's a 2-1 game at mm-hmm. 9-year-old baseball. People, The intensity goes up a, a notch. Yeah, it's for nothing. Yeah, it's 9-year-old baseball. It's just people are competitive. That's the yeah. way it is. And so everything ratchet, right or wrong, it happens. I'm just acknowledging that it happens. Mm-hmm. No bringing drinks to players. Well, they all have drinks in the dugout yeah, now anyway, and these big, like those water jugs that you bring every day now. Yep. No talking to players during the game. I'm, I'm fine with that. No I'm carrying cool that. bags for players. That's a big one. You know what? Well, you shouldn't be carrying your kid's bag in there. You, you talked about entitlement yesterday. Sure. While you're carrying your kid's bag in, your kid's on the phone playing his game. You know? Yeah. Tell the damn kid to carry his own bag in there. No, absolutely. I'm, well, especially in ba- like hockey is a little different. Like growing up with hockey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my grandma had to carry my bag for a while. No, honestly, right? I, I, I can carry yeah, it. I get but, it. But um, yeah, in baseball, yeah. absolutely, kid carrying your you own bag. You might be a truck to. dolly yeah. to carry the I mean, hockey if, bag. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If if you can handle playing in a baseball game, you can handle carrying your bag. So I agree with that. Uh, no sitting in on team talks. That's obvious. No obviously. hanging out of that batting cage. That's interesting. Um, but I guess fine. Okay, well, define like no hanging out of bad. Well, because you can't watch your kid. And, yeah, teams go for BP. See, you just bring up something that I think is the ultimate mistake in youth sports right now. Bigger than anything on this list or anything else, the dollars, the travel ball, the this, the that. I believe the number one epidemic epidemic mm-hmm. in uh, in youth sports. Okay. And again, guilt. We are guilty of it. I love watching the kids play. Yep. But the thing like nothing's not. This did not used to happen. Okay. And now it happens all the time. Is parents are at practice. Parents watch practice all the time. That's now. weird. And that did not used to happen. Now, no, in hockey, it no. might have happened a little bit. Well, hockey, it had to happen because like they drop us off, but then they have to stay at the rink. You know, I mean, yeah. like or at least for me, because I lived so far away from the rink. So. Uh, but even then, like they weren't really watching practice, you know. They're socializing like in the in the like the room that was warm. So no, it's, it doesn't happen in hockey. But but I think now people watch all the time. I see it at, at these what? guys Though, because they drop them off and they're because of travel. Number one, yeah. It's not just at your neighborhood park. I know. It's that's now you you've got to go maybe 25 minutes, or some people are driving 40 minutes to go to a practice and meet a team. Yeah. And so where else are they going to go? Mm-hmm. Well. I think between whether it's private lessons or watching a, a kid's practice, I think it's so dangerous because the kid and the coach is under the microscope all the time, not just in the game, mm-hmm. but on weekends or whenever the game is, but now twice a week for two hours during practice. Yeah. Like, my parents never knew what I did at practice. Yeah. We're talking about <laughs> We're talking about practice. But I, I'm telling you, I think it's one of, the, uh, of all the things that... I, 
I believe that's overlooked. And I think it's a bit unfair to the coaches and, and to the yeah, kids because then it's to like, be scrutinized for practice. You're supposed to mess up in practice. I know. You know what Good I mean? Call. Yep, so okay. I don't like that. Uh, if your lady doesn't play, that's fine, even though I feel bad for the kid if he's not playing because I had to do something else and couldn't get him there on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, no wearing hats in public places. People kind of scoffed at this one on social media. And Wait, I the think parents can't wear hats in public? I don't. Yeah, I don't get. I think that's for their kid, like in in here at Renna's Pizza, okay. saying don't wear a don't hat. Don't wear a team hat. In, yeah, but maybe they mean don't wear a team hat going to Publix or this is going USA to the baseball? beach. Yeah. Hey, be more specific, please. USA yeah, I don't. Baseball? I don't get that one. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, do not come in our dugout. Okay. Do not talk to coach during the game about your son. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right, that's a given. That's fine. And no profanity. Okay. Yeah. Son of a... <laughs> I know. Uh, I know no talking to college coaches. So the rest, it's not a bad list. No. No, but point. I mean, and honestly, the fact that this list is even out there, set aside from the hat thing, which we don't really understand what that means, but set aside from everything else, it should be kind of common sense, right? Well, it I is, mean, but Austin, you're going to realize this now. Ronan's four years old, know, dude. Wait know, until man. you see it. Wait yeah. until you see it. And well, you're going to be in it, and you're, you're going to get caught in it. You're in yeah. the web. Sometimes you do. I, I'm not saying know, I'm not guilty you, of anything that's ever even on this list at yeah. times, especially being late. But it's just a different world when you're in it, and it's a different day and age. And I think some of these things, what I tweeted back at this was, the pro- what they're basically saying is the problem with youth sports yep. is the parents, well, and they need to go to the parking lot. And and overall, I kind of agree. And here's what I want to ask you coming up uh, in a little bit later in the show, because I mean I'm not sure how many sports tie plays, but you cover a lot of sports, Brent, uh, in youth in high school. I want to know what sport has the craziest parents. Oh, good. Is one. it baseball, basketball, or football, or something else? Ah, very good. I want to know that. All right. I want to know what to expect coming up uh, with my son. Hey, we tackle the law next. John Phillips joins us on ESPN 690. You know, sometimes my favorite part of Coos is when he, like, right before we get back from commercial break, he'll be like, he just did. All right, here we go. It's like, Coos, are you okay back there? I mean, <laughs> did you just run, like, laps around the building or something? <laughs> Some pushing some... button thing tiring? No, sometimes I'm running around, you know. <laughs> yeah. Getting a I'm quick, sure Getting a quick 100 jumping jacks in. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. How the heck are we doing today, Coos? Everything good heading into the weekend? Are you going to stay safe? Oh, yeah. we're. I'm going to like a one-year-old's birthday party, so it's going to be a very <laughs> chill, chill weekend. Where's it at, Coos? Oh, uh, just down the street. Nick Foles' house. <laughs> Nick Foles' house. Hey, there we go. Yeah, you are how far? 15 miles, 15 minutes away from... From where he lives or Yeah, something? I think it's 15 that's not, minutes. That's not just right down the road like Literally he like claimed from... in the past. Um, maybe in the neighborhood or something. Uh, hey, back to uh, John Phillips is going to join us in just a little bit, tackle the law. You just asked the question, though, which parents are the uh, yeah. craziest well, in youth sports? Is, I, I, I told I, you, I we, could, my, I'm telling you we can do a whole show yeah. about youth sports. And I every time I put this on social right. media, it, it, it goes crazy. And I, I should do more of it. Um, and I think we will. I mean, we'll have the time in the summer to, to try to dive into it because there's all different facets. Right now we're talking a little bit about parents, but there's the specialization. There's the travel ball. There's, the, there's all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's all got its problems. But I also want to tell people this. When I bring up some of this stuff, I actually think it has a lot of great things, too. I think youth sports still has a lot of fantastic things. Sure. Rasheen Mathis talked to us about it yesterday, right? Oh, yeah. He had a great perspective about being a dad, especially an athlete's dad. 
and, yeah. and there, talked about the life lessons in sports. Exactly. That there are those things that happen. That's the point. I mean, as far as the life lessons are concerned, I mean, there's nothing more that you can learn from youth sports. You know, I mean, um, just some of those like those situations that you find yourself in, uh, you're not going to be able to deal with those things if you didn't have youth sports. So I, I completely support youth sports in that aspect of it. Well, we are here at Reddit's Pizza in, at Neptune Beach, and when we got out of that break and you asked the question, this nice lady over here said, Ballet. Ballet, huh? <laughs> About the craziest okay. moms. Have okay. you ever seen Dance Moms? Uh, I, I have witnessed it like once or twice. Yeah, it's, I mean, it wasn't something I really uh, stayed on the channel for, but I, I did browse it. Like Kaylee is is watching that. I'm not sure if it's appropriate now, but she's watching like old episodes. I think they're old episodes of Dance Moms. Yeah. And uh, the other day, and there are two <laughs> shows that top my list of just asinine television. And it's the Bachelorette, Bachelorette, Bachelorette Boom, it, yep. and it's Dance Moms. Dance I mean, it is unbelievable. <laughs> I, I mean, can we lawyer up John Phillips and get those things banned from TV, please? I, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to get them banned, but, uh, you know, they, they, I don't watch. So I, I do vicariously get exposed to Bachelorette, I will admit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, my yeah. gosh, it's terrible. Just such an awful show. I can't – I love how I, people – I love how you can fall in love with two people at the same time in, like, a week and a half. This this girl currently is in love, and she's, she's, she's a University of Alabama girl, which it does John make it moder- moderately palatable. But I and, – and my wife – nobody tell my wife I told you guys this, but I negotiated in, like, back rubs during the show. So I'll sit there, but I'll I'll get back rubs. So I mean, any guy that might want to try to negotiate that into the deal um, makes it a little more manageable. Yeah, it that does. is great. That is good. That's great advice. I don't know where you were going with that for a second, but that was great advice to pass along. It it it. She, so otherwise, I just go into a separate room and mock her and her show and. This this was a good compromise for me. I can just sit there and work on my uh, work on my laptop and and you know get a little get a little relaxation out of it. That's good. I'm not sure, I'm not getting back rubs, but I will say this: Steph cannot. She will not watch that show with me in the room because I cannot help myself. I cannot stop <laughs> commenting about it in like a bad way and just telling how bad it is. But she wants to watch it, so she usually she usually waits until I'm on TV and then she'll watch it from like. 10 p.m. to midnight, knowing <laughs> that I will not be in the house. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, from that topic to a more serious topic, I want—I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, I know you're a big Alabama guy, John Phillips. And uh, did you see the news? Uh, Alabama superfan Walt Gary uh, died last night at the age of 36. Uh, there was some really cool stuff uh, with Walt Gary. Uh, in, in terms of Nick Saban, but really Gene Stallings who brought him into the program. And if you've oh. watched ESPN in the past and Alabama in the past, I think you know who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Gar- uh, Walt Gary had Down syndrome um, and really was a big part of that Alabama program. It felt like uh, sad news uh, out of the Crimson Tide family. He was, and I didn't see it, but he was, I mean, he was the spirit. Uh, at times for, for Alabama, dating back to, you know, Gene, Sol- Gene Stalling's son had Down syndrome and, and, and Walt kind of took over the, the role from him as, as this just amazing character who, who just really loved Alabama and the guys loved him and it was just amazing 
all the pieces they did on him. That, that's terrible. I didn't hear that. Yeah, sorry to pass that along uh, to everybody, but all the Alabama fans, really football fans, uh, I, I think you've seen them and know them, read, read about uh, Walt Gary, what inspiration he was for the Alabama football program. Uh, I don't know if you have anything in mind tackling the law uh, here today, John, but a couple of things I want to ask you about. And first of all, most recent, Mark Stevens, this whole Golden State Warriors thing. Uh, any kind of, you know, the Kyle Lowry and, and this gentleman, whether he was part investor or not uh, in, in the NBA game. Can there be some um, assault charges or anything like that if a player wants to pursue them for being pushed in that atmosphere? Yeah. So, I, again, I've been, I've been caught in, in litigation world the last week. I do vaguely know this story, fortunately. And, yeah, you know, there's anytime there's a, a battery and assault, you know, particularly if there's real injury, um, which, you know, I don't know here, um, there, there, there can be. This, this was a push. I mean, this was a shove. There, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, there, and nobody was getting injured. There could be civil or criminal penalties. I mean, the criminal standard for battery is an unwanted touching, but you're not going to see many prosecutors uh, prosecuting cases just because somebody got pushed or, or you know, nailing any boo-boos. Well, I agree with that, but would you say there's a difference, too, as well, because the guy that got pushed, like, I can see one thing where if it's like a human reaction, where if someone gets pushed into you, you push them back, yeah, right? Yeah. But with this gentleman here, um, he was like three seats down from where the incident happened, and then kind of went out of his way to push Kyle Lowry even more. I mean, uh, do you have grounds? I mean, does that kind of make a difference in the case? I mean, everything, you know, every, I, I wouldn't take the case, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't know many prosecutors that would take the case, but it, it, the, the factors you have in, I mean, it's all, it, it's all a subjective interpretation as to whether there's, there's going to be discretion on a lawyer, um, a prosecutor to pursue it. Uh, and, and here, you know, that there are some standards that, that bind both owners and players that, you know, with a league, that a league can step in and do administrative discipline. Um, more than you'll see civil or criminal justice system get involved. But, you know, it all just depends on the fact. Yeah, good. Uh, you know, let me elaborate on a just more generalized uh, term, too, because we saw a couple years ago, and honestly, I don't remember if anything happened in the court of law with this situation, but the Seattle Seahawks and the Jacksonville Jaguars fans, mm -hmm. Seattle Seahawks players, right. Jaguars fans, on a whole, I mean, those kind of situations, do they ever – See litigation? Do you hear that a lot? Uh, uh, again, I don't know what happened with that. What we often hear is, see, in this Golden State situation, the guy's banned from the NBA for a year, banned for the rest of the finals. We see tickets, uh, season tickets revoked and never allowed back in the stadium for fans that do things. But I don't usually hear if they ever see litigation or not. It just depends. So a lot of stadiums have, like Philadelphia has a jailhouse in the stadium. And yes. they'll sometimes just hold people there until they cool off and say, look, you know, do you want to be prosecuted? Do you want to be banned? Or do you want to just get past this? Because, uh, you know, a lot of times alcohol is involved. Okay. And mm -hmm. with, I think with the fan, they did track, the Jaguars fan, they did track him down and, and give him some sort of fan. Um, and we've, we've gotten involved to win. There was an incident with some Texas fans 
uh, last season. Was it last season? Yeah. Um, that one got sucker punched, and we did consult with them. Um, but, it, you know, it tends – oftentimes if there's no injuries, cooler heads prevail. Uh, yeah. But a team is going to – a team is going to – try especially if it's being reported uh a, a, a team or a league is going to try to put pressure on sending a message that that behavior cannot be tolerated and it it affects fans it's supposed to affect um employees coaches and players you know it, it, everybody needs to be held to a higher standard yeah that's uh, no doubt about it uh, john phillips uh, with us from the law offices of john phillips tackling the law and i want to ask you about that i know you've been crazy busy but we appreciate taking a few minutes out uh which means you haven't been on the sea do lately because you've been so busy uh we still are going to do a show from the sea do i think uh this summer uh, but the you tweeted last week uh it was how in the world is leon washington's jaguars playbook for sale on ebay for ten thousand dollars I think there was some follow-up from you on that story. What was that story all about? So, yeah, it was a crazy one. So, And, and again, I don't know how Leon Washington – was he like an assistant coach? How did he wind up with a playbook anyway? I think we he, know? Um, he – you know how they do – don't don't uh, put me on the like the lie detector test here, but I think uh, – I think he – you know how they do the internship programs? Yeah. Former players? I think for a training camp a couple years ago, Leon was with the Jaguars. I believe that was the case. I feel like that sounds right, that there was some, you know, kind of alumni program that he was in. But, but yeah, so apparently either a storage shed or a house of his and its contents were auctioned off. You know how you see, like, the storage wars kind of auctions. That's what that's how I'm picturing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they auctioned off. They auctioned off a lot of his swag. So you had you had a Pro Bowl, you had Pro Bowl material uh, memorabilia like a jersey. You had some of his stuff from the Seahawks. I mean, you had a ton of his stuff. And in there for ten thousand dollars, I was just searching Jacksonville, um, and like I don't buy stuff. I mean, I'm always looking for stuff for the Duval House, but I like type in Jacksonville on eBay and like highest stuff, and just see what crazy stuff people are selling. And for $10,000, it was this quote-unquote playbook. And then if you looked at the seller's other stuff, there was a weed box. And so apparently it was where, you know, it reminded me of the Saturday Night Live skit with uh, David Spade where somebody says, is this so-and-so? And And he's like, yeah, and you can put your weed in there. So (laughs) Leon, Leon Washington had this box with his face all over it, um, that apparently had his weed paraphernalia in it, and that was sold in the auction, and they were selling. I mean, it was sold in the, you know, the the foreclosure or whatever auction, and they were selling it on eBay. And I was like, I don't even know because there's paraf- there's stuff in there. Like, I don't know if this is legal. Like, I don't understand any of this. Because um, usually I can tweet something out, and then, you know, the Action News and other investigative reporters will take the lead on really finding the answers. And I don't know if we, yeah. anybody ever found out the real yeah, answers. Well, well, maybe I'll push and, internally on that. Well, and here's the interesting thing, too. So if it is the playbook, that would mean from that year, Greg Olson was offensive coordinator, and it would be his plays. Well, Greg Olson's now in uh, in Oakland, Oakland yeah. as offensive coordinator. So maybe uh, 
maybe somebody from the AFC West is going to maybe <laughs> Buy make it. a quick purchase, yeah, to see some things. Uh, you know what's fascinating is those don't get out very often. Oh, no, like, no. I mean, that's the, that's the thing as a player where if you lost your playbook, and nowadays, you know, they're on the iPad. But um, back in the day when we had playbooks, if you lost that thing, it was like a $20,000 fine. Really? Yeah. So you just don't lose it. Or you can buy <laughs> it for ten grand on eBay. Yeah, or you can buy it for ten grand on eBay. <laughs> uh, hey, John, as we wrap up and let you go, uh, give us an update on the Duval House. What do you have planned coming up? We're getting closer and closer to football season, training camps, preseason games. Uh, I think uh, Rolling Stones. What, what do you have on Rolling the horizon? Rolling Stones is definitely the one we have uh, underlined. We are – Reciting it, you know, as you'll recall, we bought it at an auction, and so we got it as is, and it was terrible inside. And so it had asbestos shingle on it, and so we're, we painted it teal just to get it done for the season, and now we're going to put real siding on it and upgrade the windows and try to have all that done for the Rolling Stones concert. Um, I might have some extra tickets if y'all want to go. I'm just saying. I'm have to and, do a show uh, from there. Interesting. Right? We might. I mean, what, what day is that? What's the 19th? Is that right? July 19th? They, yeah, they moved it to a Friday. So it's like Friday, yeah. the 18th, 19th, around there. Uh, okay. And so we're going to do, we're going to have Rolling Stones party for that and then try to get everything ready for the preseason. It's pretty much buttoned up and ready to go. But um, we're kind of, we're kind of getting the schedule and going through and figuring out charity events and, and again, this season we're kind of keeping it um, where we're using it as a fundraising tool for charities and and having fun with it. You know, we're not really renting it out for the season, um, but it, it it's coming along. We've gotten a lot of great feedback, um, and I'm, I'm told from that uh, from that the Calais Campbell Bowling event, Calais is going to stop by and do a voicemail for the Newball House. Uh, so I can't wait I, for that. Hey, I don't know if this breaks an ordinance or whatever in, in Duval County, but you should put the doorbell, and when the doorbell rings, it's it's his voice yes. saying hello. Loudspeaker yes. right outside the front door. <laughs> that, his voice, man, is, is like, it's just one of the best voices I've ever heard. Like, just, it's, it's so deep and just, just, just intense. It's really, really good. Uh, all right, John Phillips uh, from the law offices. Of John Phillips has been a busy, busy man, but we appreciate you taking a couple minutes with us. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Y'all too. All right, uh, John Phillips uh, with us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. That sounds like a fun show. Heck have to yeah. start planning that one. Well, it, it's a bummer because I'm going to be, hopefully, July 20th. I might have a fight coming oh, up. Oh, so, so you might miss. I, well, I won't you don't be work Fridays for, anyway. For Mick. I don't work Fridays as it is. So, yeah, don't worry about me, Brent. Yeah. We're all good. <laughs> Quite frankly, we're not worried about you. Okay, good, good, man. All right. I mean, we root for you in the cage. Outside of that, we're not worried about you. All good, man. Hey, when we come back, how about a little balling and falling? And we're 10 minutes away from being joined by Brad Meester. Oh, Mr. yes. Mr. Jaguar joins us on ESPN 690 in a few. Back-to-back weeks of fun shows. Last week, we were down at uh, World Golf Village hanging out with Mike Mills from REM. You were. I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Ben Reed uh, from American Sniper and Kevin Rahm, the actor. Rob Riggle. That was a fun time. Rob Riggle seems like a pretty cool dude. It was cool. It was a yeah. good time. Pow! Now we're hanging out at Renna's Pizza here at Neptune Beach having some fun. Some folks stopping by. If you stop on by until 6 o'clock... 
I might buy you a pineapple and ham pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could come out for two-for-one drinks as well and order whatever the heck you want. Yeah. Uh, great stuff. Treat yourself. Pizza, five different locations in Jacksonville, including this one, the newest one, Neptune Beach, just a year old. So uh, the weather's hanging on, too. Sun's still popping yes, here sir. on a Friday afternoon uh, by the beach. But I do know it's raining in some areas because uh, it, it sounded like Coos needed an umbrella earlier. The- Coos <laughs> like, hey, it's raining in downtown Jacksonville like crazy right now. He said, the windows are you know, like, I can't even see out the windows. I said, Coos, you're not in downtown Jacksonville there. That's a you're good point. Like you're side. not even close there, sir. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the city of Jacksonville. It's good to have you here. It's like ten minutes away. It's down the street. Yeah, you, you, you think everything yeah, is just everything down the street, man. Away. It's like you grew up in Rhode Island or something. Everything's <laughs> yeah, you think away. everything's down the street, so then in that case, I guess Wisconsin's just right across the block. All right, balling and falling time. What you got? Balling. Uh, hockey talk, baby. It's Friday, and uh, we had to talk baseball and golf yesterday, so I'm going hockey talk. Uh, balling, man. The St. Louis Blues, one game away from the Stanley Cup champions and one game away from probably being one of the best stories in NHL history. Uh, one game away from making my prediction that I gave with CM Punk correct. And I think it's a, I think it's a cool story, Brent. And you don't have to be a hockey fan to appreciate it, but just the way that they have gone about their business this year. Uh, when you when you looked at the St. Louis Blues midseason, they were the last team in the NHL, and they looked at themselves and they're like, we can't get it done this way. So what did they do? They they went back to the old school style of playing with the four checking, with the cross checking, with the I don't want to say cheap kind of play with hits, but everything. But they're a physical physical team. And that has got them to where they are right now. And it's interesting because there's a lot riding on this game. You have a Boston Bruins team who's more of a speed and finesse style, which for a long time that wasn't their calling card, but that's who they are now. I mean, they have a lot of speedsters. They have a lot of skilled players, and they're more of a finesse team. And you have the Blues way, uh, the, you know, the more old-school way of approaching it, where if the St. Louis Blues you know, win the Stanley Cup final, um, I think you might see a dramatic shift in the way uh, teams are structured, where rosters are structured, and kind of go back to the old school style of playing, which the NHL was so adamant about getting rid of. Interesting. I'm serious. I, I, I think there's a lot riding on the Stanley Cup here. Wow, that's pretty. That's an interesting take. Uh, do you think St. Louis will close it out? I think it goes to seven games. Uh, for whatever reason, St. Louis is a lot better on the road than they are at home. Um, that's weird. I th- yeah, and, and listen, Boston's been. This is this is the calling card, Brent. This is the the, the teams being physical. Like when St. Louis played uh, San Jose, San Jose probably had three of their best people out. And right now, uh, while Boston doesn't have any guys out, but there's a lot of guys banged up for the Boston Bruins. So I wouldn't be surprised if St. Louis uh, wins in Game Six, but I think it's going to go seven games. All right, my ball in is Rafael Nadal. I mean, it, unbelievable what he's been able to do at the French Open and on that surface. And I just put out on social media. And, and I'm probably missing some, and there probably are. And it's a little unique for the question because the surfaces do change. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, can you think of a player that has been so dominant? Like, it's almost like we talk about with Brooks Kepka in majors, yeah. where he's been so good in the majors, and really the rest is like, well, okay, he might win here or there, mm-hmm. might contend here or there. And it's kind of the same conversation. But Nadal now, this is going for more than a decade, what he's been able to do on the clay. I just look. He's in going into his 12th final. He crushed Federer today. He's six and zero against Federer at the French Open. Yep. He's 92 and two at the French Open. Yes. And 92 and two. He's going for his 12th French Open title. I mean, that he's got 18. He's going for his 18th major championship. I think it is. But 12 of them at the French Open. 
I mean, that is unbelievable. Think about those stats, 92-2 and two on the clay surface at the French Open. So I uh, did some research here. Only 14 men have beaten him on the clay since 2005. And that's in any clay. Any events. clay, yeah. Since 2005, well, Austin, that's well, Brent, 14 years. Hey, guess what? Who do, guess who did a little homework? You did. Yes, I did. Do you care to take a guess what the biggest stat is with Roger? Uh, I'm sorry, not Roger. Uh, Rafa? Happy, yeah, R- Rafa Nadal being so good on clay. What's the one thing? That he does, uh, that nobody else can do for every reason on clay, and the, the, the answer I'm not going to put you on the spot here. I think, but I, yeah, that's a good question. Let me think about it real quick. Yeah, because um, I really like tennis. I haven't watched it in recent years as much, but uh, there's one thing that sets him apart on clay. Ooh, you're close. So it's the second serve, actually. Second serve. So on, on a second serve, Nadal has won 66.4% of his second serves. Huh. The, the guy in second place. Only is this ten percent lower than that? Wow! So okay. for whatever reason, and uh, I, I, listen, you went into the analytics. Did I think going analytics tell you those numbers? Uh, he, I, he might have shouted me out a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then that, that's according to five thirty eight com, which is a tennis website. Yeah. So there you go. Wow, that's and, and you also asked the question real quick: Is there anybody else as dominant as you know on a surface or anything like that? Or, or and, in any sport? Well, I mean, yeah. Listen, Mike Tyson was dominant in, in boxing. But that's until boxing. He lost, but, but it's a, so the only guy that I could find that I, I kind of did a deep dive here. The only guy I could find, because you have to take into account, like, yeah, it's a sport, but it's a different surface. Sean White in the halfpipe. Okay. So okay. Sha- Sean yeah. White in the halfpipe, for at one point in his career, won six X Games in a row in the halfpipe, or they call it the superpipe. And then he won three consecutive gold medals as well uh, for the Olympics in, in the superpipe. So that's the only guy that kind of stood out to me a little bit. But besides that, no, when it comes to, half, is it Hafiel Nadal? Or Rafa? I mean, how are you pronouncing that? It's Rafael Nadal. Rafael, okay. I don't know if it was like a ha with like the you know being the European kind of thing. I mean, I don't think they do that. I okay. think They call him Rafa. Rafa, okay. Rafael you know, Nadal, okay. Nadal. Okay, uh, gotcha. That's unbelievable. And by the way, hats off to Federer and even Djokovic. Throw him in this. Djokovic, Federer, Nadal. They have those three. They should get like ten percent of the pool <laughs> that men's tennis makes. Yeah. The fact that they're still playing after all these years and still playing this well. Well, to be in these kind of situations and give life to the sport, yeah. I think they should like have part ownership in tennis. Let me ask you this. Where's the young upstart? Where's like the next big star in men's I, tennis? You know what? There might be a young one, okay. and, I, and I just don't know. But okay. there isn't the American one. No. And the Ameri- until there's more American stars in that sport, I think it's going to suffer, at least here. Sure. Uh, and there just hasn't been. I mean, yep. Andy Roddick is either yep. really the last, like, yeah. Best chance, and he really underachieved. And, to be well, honest. and to be fair, he didn't win a lot. Yeah. Uh, Fallen uh, real, real quick. So I talked about hockey. Well, the officiating in Game Five in Boston between the Bruins and the Blues was uh, atrocious. Um, yeah, it was a big. It actually cost the Bruins yeah. the game. Yeah, and it, it, it was blatant. You know, to the point where fans were throwing trash on ice and everything. Listen, I understand sometimes refs can make mistakes, but when you got guys playing with broken jaws that have their mouths wired shut, they're putting it all on the line to lose a game over a blatant tripping call that didn't get called. Um, it sucks to see, man. Yeah, and it that's sucks. by the way, that's twice in the NHL playoffs that yes. a big call has been missed. And also now we're starting to talk about a couple of times this year with the Saints and yeah. uh, I think it was Auburn in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, not so, good. Uh, by the way, my falling real quick. Do you see the fans fighting in the stands? Oh yeah, man. Can we stop. Can it's we hockey, stop? man. That's, that's playoff hockey, Brent. Love it. I love Just the mentality. Just go enjoy the game. You spend enough money. Don't I love get the kicked mentality. out of there. Stop drinking that Fighting in the beer. nosebleeds. I love it. Unless you're coming here to rent his pizza two for one. <laughs> uh, when we come back, Mr. Jaguar joins us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We catch up with Brad Meester. ESPN 690. 
Sports Center update. I'm Jake Mitchell. Last night in the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs continued to heat up. The St. Louis Blues moved up three games to two, moving us into a very important game six this Sunday. In the NBA Finals, the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors play tonight at 9 p.m. on ABC, as well as right here on ESPN 690. What do MVPs do? And I'm putting this on Steph, not because he's not great, but because he is. What MVPs do, what the all-time greats do is ball out tonight. That's Max Kellerman on ESPN First Take. Don't forget, Brent and Austin will be at Rennes Pizza till 6 o'clock on ESPN 690, ESPN690.com, and you can meet them in person and have a slice. Stay connected with ESPN 690 while you're at work by listening on ESPN690.com. Hey, everybody, this is Brent Martin along with Austin Lane. Leave your troubles ashore. Live the island life with the citrus of the sea, Vida de Luis Tequila. The new Vida de Luis Tequila is made from natural volcanic spring water. It has no aldehydes. If you're wondering what aldehydes are, they are what cause the bad hangovers and headaches. Vida de Luis is the smoothest tequila around. For location, recipes, and merchandise, visit VidaDeLuis.com. Must be at least 21 to drink Vida de Luis. Find Vida de Luis in your favorite bars, restaurants, and liquor stores. Enjoy Vida de Luis. Respond. So, yeah, all three houses here on the left have safe touch security. Okay, scratch those off. All right, next. Yeah, these two on the right here have some kids home from school for the summer. Ugh, two golden rules we follow. One, no safe touch. Two, no kids home alone. Yeah, especially after that movie. Those poor crooks didn't stand a chance. So, the rest of the houses around here are fair game? Well, some of them got those ding-dong doorbell cameras. But no safe touch? <laughs> That's a piece of cake. Yeah, I don't understand how some folks buy a security camera by itself. Don't they know they need monitoring? Don't look a gift horse in the mouth, Junior. Just be glad that not everyone knows about safe touch security. After all, there's a reason for the Crooks Arrest motto. Stay away from safe touch houses. Stamp that on your forehead. Crooks know to stay away from safe touch houses. Hi, I'm Lester Jackson, president of Safe Touch Security Systems. No one beats our technology or our price. Call Safe Touch today at 888-723-8682 or go to safetouch.com. State license number EF233. Want a fresh one? Hey, everybody, this is Brent Martineau, and if you're looking for something to eat in Northeast Florida, try Renna's Pizza. Family-owned and operated. New York-style pizza. Everything made fresh. In-house daily. Try the lunch specials or come by and pick up your favorite pizza for dinner. For a limited time, buy any large or extra-large pizza and receive six fresh garlic knots for free. Just tell them Brent Martineau sent you. Find out why Rennes has been a family favorite for over 40 years. Five locations in Northeast Florida. Rennes Pizza. Give them a try today. That was your best shot or it felt like it. You were healthy. You had James Harden who had played in an MVP level for most of the season. You got got by first half Clay Thompson and the Warriors bench. Go Lick and Wingo. Weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, he once smuggled a whole truckload of yingling across the Pennsylvania line, I think, is the story about this guy. Uh, welcome back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, along with former Jag and 
former teammate of Brad Meester, Austin Lane. We are at Renda's Pizza, Neptune Beach. And uh, hello, Brad Meester, Mr. Jaguar. I told the Yingling story earlier in the week. Did I have it right? <laughs> you do have it right, yeah. You, cause it's weird because Yingling does not, I don't, I, I don't think it crosses like the Mississippi or something. It won't go west. Um, so in order for me, and I love it, so in order for me to get there, yes, I did have smuggled across state lines. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Uh, but I used to actually buy it. I used to actually buy it in a trailer load almost when I was here in Jacksonville. I'd get it from Costco and then take it all the way up to me to uh, Iowa, um, just so I could have it there. So yeah, that's awesome. Go, good stuff. Uh, hey, thanks for jumping on with us, man. I know you're. Are you back in town yet? I am. I am officially in town. Yes, I just made it okay. this afternoon. So. Awesome. Uh, you're going to be at uh, a, a great event coming up this uh, weekend. Uh, good friend Jim Signorelli uh, and Fields Cadillac, they put on. Uh, you, you come back. Gosh, how many times a year do you come back to Jacksonville? Uh, at least two or three times. You know, absolutely, we come back every year for the uh, the J-Fun event with Coach Coughlin. Um, we're always here for this one. Um, Jim and Kathy always put on a tremendous event for St. Michael's Soldiers. So we, we come back every year for that. And then we always come back. Two weeks in the end of July, um, we just bring the entire family. Um, that's our vacation every summer. Uh, we come back here and stay here. Um, and then we always try to make a game or two if we can um, in the fall. That's possible. Yeah. So, and not, whether it's times. at home or on the road, right? I mean, sometimes you'll go to yeah, road so we, games, too. Well, we try to do both. I mean, we obviously try to do, if there's anything close to us. Like last year, Kansas City was close to us. Um, and then, obviously, two years ago when we made the playoff run, we went to all those. Uh, but we always try to make a home game all, also. It, gets, it was harder last year. We didn't make a home game last year just because I started coaching high school football. It interferes with being able to make it, you know what I mean, this far. Uh, but I think we'll try to come back again sometime this year. So Yeah, and the, the event that uh, Brad Meester is talking about tomorrow night, the second annual tailgate for the troops, and uh, Jim and Kathy uh, over at uh, Fields uh, Cadillac in Orange Park put on a great event uh, to raise money for St. Michael's Soldiers, which, by the way, also is what our Action Sports Shack Stream 18 helps uh, uh, promote and and give financial support to. That's coming up on September 16th, so you can be a part of it uh, as well if you go to actionsportsshackstream18.com. Yes, it's a, tremendous, it's a tremendous event. Um, it's an awesome, I mean, any way that you can give back to our soldiers um, is, is awesome, and I, they do an awesome job of raising money and Sending care packages over to our, you know, our military overseas, uh, which I just think is absolutely awesome. It's a great event to be a part of. Well, it cool. really says a lot that you come back for it, so I know they appreciate it, and it'll be uh, uh, good for so many to see you and the family tomorrow. Uh, you still have a place right out here by the beach, probably not far from us, I think. Uh, we're at we're at Neptune Beach at Rena's Pizza. Where do you you still have a place out here, right? Yeah, I'm. So, I got a place out in uh, Jack's Beach, um, just just slightly north of the pier out there. Um, and so, yeah, we, we didn't live out there when we were here, but we knew that we knew we wanted to go back to Iowa, but we knew we, this was still our home. And, um, so we come back here a lot. Um, and we just wanted to have something out at the beach. And I think as my kids get through school, you know, it was important for us to get our kids back home to Iowa to see their grandparents. I think as my kids get older and get through school, um, we'll probably spend most of the year back here in Jacksonville, um, especially the winters. Um, so we'll end up coming back here a decent amount. 
<laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you about life after football a little bit more, but let's ask you and bring in Austin Lane on the conversation. You guys were teammates, and uh, yes. just one more one more confirmation uh, of the week, please, <laughs> Jeez, because Maurice Jones-Drew did it. Uh, yesterday, Rasheen Mathis did it. And please confirm that it was about once every three days that Austin and Evan Britton got in a fight. <laughs> Uh, maybe that's what maybe was the, maybe that's what helped with the training for the MMA stuff, like the martial arts fight. I heard that he's doing that now. Is that correct? Yes, correct? sir. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely started, correct. Right there, I think it had that something to say. Well, exactly. And it's kind of like I always tell Brent here. I feel like me and Evan were kind of cut from the same cloth. Where you know, if a guy kind of pushed you a little after the whistle, you kind of took it to heart. So yeah, anytime you mix two guys out of the same personality, that's what happens, man. So, yeah, he's going to give it time. He's like one on ones or some type of team parody. It was bound to happen. So we, we, yeah. just, we just look forward to it. Just let it happen. It is what it is. Yeah. You played for such a long time, Brad. Uh, how do you miss it at all, or are you almost glad that? You don't have to go through OTAs now and mini camps now and get ready for uh, another grueling season in the NFL. Uh, you know that's kind of a mixed answer. I mean, I I do miss it. You know, I really miss um, for the most part. You know, just hanging out with the guys. You know, I mean, I loved hanging out with the offensive line and you know just all the guys in the locker room um, and then just going out there and playing games on Sundays. You know, what I mean, I, I think they're just you can't ever replace something like that. I mean, that was just something I absolutely loved doing and playing in front of our crowd. Um, obviously, this time of season, you know, OTAs and training camp, they're hard. You know, it's hot. It's grueling. Um, you know, maybe at my age now, I don't miss that quite as much. Um, you know, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already missing that part of it. Um, but I do miss a lot of it. I mean, I just I miss being a part of the game itself, too. And that was part of why I kind of went back into coaching. I mean, uh, they had asked me this if I wanted to help out, help out and coach at the high school, and I said, definitely. You know, I mean, I'd love to give back in some way. And then after just one season of doing it, I just absolutely love it. I mean, it's just, you know, the kids are great. Uh, and it gives me an opportunity. You know, I've been blessed to be able to play this game for so long. It gives me an opportunity to give back and teach the kids and really just see them grow. You know, I mean, go from being just, you know, just a young kid to, you know, growing throughout the season or throughout their high school career to, you know, be grown men. Um, so it's, it's been cool. And, you know, I, can't, I love, you know, every part of this game. I mean, it's just a, such a great game. And so it's great to be a part of that. Mister, it's funny that you kind of mentioned, um, you know, just missing the locker room and missing even like the practices and stuff. And uh, the, the whole week here, I've been kind of sharing stories of, of guys that I played with and some things that kind of, you know, like just stories I remember from certain players. Oh, and, go deep here, Austin. Oh, I, mean, I, have a few dirt, of, man. I have a few of a Brad Meester here, but the, the one that stands out to me the most, and I'm sure we'll get into a couple more later on uh, in the interview here, but the one that stands out to me the most, this would have been my second year. So I think it was back in, this would have been 2011. And, uh, okay. you know, we we get to the stadium early in the morning, and, and I'm hobbling, and you're hobbling. You know, I mean, we're going through two days right now, so it's rough, and we're sore. And I think it's like 6 o'clock in the morning, man. The sun's barely not even up yet. And I'm like, man, this is my second year. And I knew you at the time. I mean, this is, I think, number 10 or 11 for you. So I remember I turned yep. to you because we walked in at the same time, and I asked you, I'm like, dude, man, I'm like, you know, this is like your 11th season doing this. Like, what what makes you want to come back for more, man? Like, you've been doing this forever. And I'll never forget what you told me. You told me. 
dude, I got six girls at home. This is vacation to me right now. This is vacation. So, uh, so I, I just want to ask because I mean, like you mentioned, like you know, like the, the kind of like the brotherhood you have in the locker room. But what was it like? And I'm not sure if you have any more kids now or not. But what's it like just having that many girls under one roof? Uh it's 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 it's. I mean, I I love it. I really do. I I always say that kind of jokingly. Um, but I, I you know that I had to get away. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I love it. I mean, it is absolutely awesome. And I, you know, obviously, I think we got the six because at some point, I think you know we did want to have a boy. Uh, but God bless us with six girls, and I, I would change it. I mean, they are just—I mean, they—they're the greatest thing ever. They, you know, they loving and caring, and I—I I don't think I could ever replace you know coming home from practice. Um, and then you got all your kids just running up, giving you hugs, uh, just because they, you know, they missed you and couldn't wait to see you again at the end of the day. It was the greatest thing ever. Um, and Absolutely. so actually we came with, on this trip, uh, we took our two youngest, you know, so normally it would just be my wife and I would come, but we decided, hey, we're going to take our two youngest with us just so they can kind of do this on their own with us, you know, just without all their older sisters. Um, and we got here and they went to the pool and just loved it. That's the moments I love. Um, I really do. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I always joke that I had to go to <laughs> to work um, to be able to make it through, and I might have had to do that sometimes. And I, I, just, I also did build my own shed. So I do have the house here in Iowa, but I built a nice guy's room. So if I have to at times. I do escape. Nice little man That's game. how I get away. You know, <laughs> you know, Brad, I mean, as listen, you're an outlier in the fact that, you know, you, you played 14 years in the NFL. I mean, I think the average span now is like three, even less than that. So you're an outlier there, but you're also the outlier where you spent your whole time in one city, in Jacksonville. Um, what, what does that mean to you, just to spend your whole time watching, you know, the, the progression of the team, the ups, the downs? I mean, what does that mean to you? I. I, I love that I was able to be a play for just one team. I mean, obviously I know that I had, you know, I went through a couple contracts and there was opportunities to go somewhere else. Um, but I think, you know, the big thing was we just loved being in Jacksonville. My wife and I just loved being here. Um, it became home for us. Um, and really, you know, the great part was that the town just completely, you know, embraced us and made this our home. Um, so it was, I, 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 wouldn't, I couldn't have seen it any other way. You know, going anywhere else um, because this really has become home, and like that, that's why we have kept a place here. Um, it was important for us to go back to Iowa just to get our fa- our kids closer to their grandparents. But we know that at some point we want to come back here because it's it's such a great town um, that you know we just love being here, and that's why I, I really enjoy playing for one team, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I think about two moments. Uh, well, I think about three things. I think about Brad Meester. Okay, more than three, but Mr. Jaguar, oh, no. I always say, I always say, uh, Brad to me is the guy that you could have, he could have gone tailgating with you oh, yeah. in during on Sunday morning and probably cooked, but he would have, <laughs> and, and he, he would have been that guy. You wouldn't even have known he was a Jags player. He was just normal guy, right? I've and done then, that. I did that in the playoff games too. I did tailgate a few times. I ain't gonna lie. I mixed it up with some uh, Pittsburgh Steelers people out in uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> See? See? And then, I mean, you seriously could have been that guy at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and then gone on and played in the game. Yeah. And, and I don't even th- I'm not sure half the people would even have realized it, So, which is a, a compliment. I mean, you usually know when you're around a guy who's a pro athlete. And I, I, th- I always thought that was really cool uh, about Brad. But I always think of uh, 
Luke Ackerstrom as well, the Ackerstrom family, and you have remained yeah. so close. And, boy, he's growing up uh, a lot different than we probably first did that story some eight, nine years ago. Uh, that family still remains pretty special. Uh, tell everybody about your relationship with them. Uh, they're such a great family, and Luke, Luke has been so awesome. Actually, that's where we are going here probably in about an hour. We're going to go get dinner with them. We, hadn't, we, hadn't, we didn't get a chance to see them when we came back from the J, for the J-Fund, um, but we are actually going to go out to dinner with them here in the next hour or so. Um, I just love seeing that family. I mean, they're such a great family. Um, and just seeing, uh, seeing Luke, you know what I mean, and just how much he grows each and every year. You know, Luke and Abram, they, every year they just get bigger and bigger, and it, it's so amazing to see where he has come from you know, when we first met him. Um, he, he definitely, and that family definitely impacted our lives um, in many ways, um, and we could, you know, never thank him enough for that. Yeah, and, and the other, uh, and I know not everybody knows the story, but you can go back and look it up and Google it and see it. We really covered it well, and, and uh, uh, that bond between Brad and even the Jaguars at the time. Oh, because I remember I think him, absolutely. Yeah, he'd always come to practice. He was always at practice. Brad brought him, yeah. And Abram yeah. as well. So it was really cool, very touching, and, and I think it's cool that you remain so close to them, uh, even though you moved away. The other one is centers don't get a lot of highlights. But you got to take us behind catching the touchdown in your final home game. Uh, well, it was never a touchdown. Sorry, it was a first down. I'd love pass. to be a I'm touchdown. I would have gone nuts if it was a touchdown. It was, it was close to the goal line, but it wasn't a, a touchdown. What, what went into that? Uh, give us the backstory on that and, and how satisfying to be uh, one of the few offensive linemen to catch a pass in franchise history. Well, I mean, that was um, – I had already decided that that was going to be my final season, and I had told everybody there, and it was already announced that I was going to retire after the season. So that was going to be my that was my last home game, um, and I remember going in on um, Wednesday, and the staff coming up to me and saying, "Hey, um, we're going to put in a play for you. It's meant to score a touchdown." And I, I was ecstatic. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Um, <laughs> so we repped it all week, and it was. Uh, it worked perfect. You know, I was just a little like, I, so they moved me from center to tight end. Um, and it was just a little tight end screen. And, you know, when you run in practice, it's a thing of beauty. It's like the parting of the Red Sea. And I run into the end zone, and it was a thing of beauty. Um, and I got to the game on Sunday, and I started thinking, there is no way this thing is going to work. Because nobody <laughs> ever, nobody ever, you, there's always tackle eligible plays. Um, they don't ever move your center from you – know, you don't take your center out of the game and move him to tight end to bring in another center. It just never happens. And not only that, but before that, like the, to the intro, you know, when they do player introductions, we didn't introduce the whole offense. We only introduced myself. Um, there was a whole thing on me, and they just introduced me. So I was like, there is no way it's going to work. So they just introduced me. Literally, like, two series – we're just in the first quarter. Um, they – bring in, you know, I, I could see it's happening, and I'm thinking, there's no way that's going to work. There's no way I'm going to move tight end and it's going to work. Not only that, but we had, like, a long play for before that. I don't know if Mojo ran a long play, but I was exhausted. I was about ready to pass out. <laughs> Literally about ready to pass out. I was so exhausted. And I see the personnel come into this. It's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it's going to happen. So I slide out to tight end, and, uh, like, you know, I get down, and I said, there's no way. It's not going to work because there's a safety over top of me. You know, I mean, there's a linebacker. There's a safety over top of me. And we run a motion, and all of a sudden, he disappears. You know, I mean, I was like, oh, my gosh, this could really work. 
So, you know, we snap it. I do what I'm supposed to do, slip to get open. And obviously the one thing that's going through my head is I'm more nervous about this play than any start I've ever put down in my entire career, you know, including playoff games, because as an offensive lineman, you get a chance to catch the ball one time in the life. One thing you cannot do is drop the ball. You cannot not catch it. So I was nervous as could be. Henny um, throws it out there. I catch it. I go to take off to run the end zone. Well, it didn't part like the Red Sea like it did in uh, practice. <laughs> I didn't know where I was going. I just ran into, I think I ran into Uche. Um, and then I ended up finally getting a little burst. And then obviously people were a lot quicker than I thought. You know what I mean? The game's fast, but when you play off the line, you learn to slow it down. But when you go to a different position, boy, those guys were quick. And they hunted me down quick. And I didn't quite make it to the end zone. But it was good. It was awesome. It was great to have a catch. And just having all the teammates and stuff like that, you know, rally around me and pick me up after I got tackled was, was awesome. That was a great moment. All right, Brad, so from one of your biggest highlights to one of your biggest lowlights here, and I want to see if you remember this story quick, and I don't oh, mean gosh. to put you on the spot, but uh, since you're on the show, i got to ask you about this uh, this play here because uh, I've set up the scene for I you got quick. several they're, of these. I hope you don't well, – uh, which, uh, uh, which one you bringing up? I'm, I'm just saying, so they're uh, – there's a storage shed. In this storage shed, there's a cell phone that I have, an old one. And on that cell phone, there's a video. And this was during practice. I want to say back in 2011. And during the practice, uh, basically it was like offensive individuals. So I think like the like the s- centers were snapping out of shotgun formation. And I have a video of you that I recorded because I knew one day it would come up where you took the snap. So you're playing quarterback. You took the snap, and for whatever reason, you fell over your two feet and just kind of fell on your back with nobody even touching you. <laughs> And uh, I distinctly remember that play because Joe Cullen probably played that during, like, the next meeting, like, the, our next, uh, yeah. you know, practice uh, meetings yeah. for about an hour straight. And I still have that video. <laughs> Do you remember that play? I, I, yeah, I remember it because it got played, like, a hundred <laughs> times the next week. Um, yeah, so we would run. It was in camp, and we would run, yeah. like, half line. You know what I mean? So it was just offense versus defensive line, just running half line run, run plays. I, I was older then, and so I just didn't. They didn't have me do it. You know, I was off. You know, I wasn't taking as many reps. So they just had me be the quarterback and act like I'm running the ball. So, yeah, I was back there at quarterback. They snap it to me. And I think I'm a pretty good athlete. I go to, like, run, and I literally trip on my own feet, like step on my own foot and flip. And it wasn't even nearly graceful. It's not like I could even save myself. I literally, like, depleted myself um, with my own two feet. So I completely fell down. <laughs> I, I tried to get up gracefully and run, but then I, I forgot that they videotaped the whole thing. And yeah, oh, yeah. it got played over the sky. and over and over again. And I didn't know you recorded it, too. So yeah, Oh, absolutely, is. man. I had to. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that was that's good. Yeah, it was, hey, we're, it was not graceful at all. We're going to wrap up with Brad Meester and Amo and Mr. Jaguar joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. As we continue to celebrate 25 seasons for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Austin brought this up, but think about it. 25th season for the Jaguars, Brad Meester played 14 of them. Yeah. Unbelievable. More yeah. games than anybody in Jaguars history. And uh, one of the greats uh, and, and great guys in that locker room in Jaguars history. Uh, i got two questions for you, Romain, and maybe Austin has another. D- give us the dirt. I think you ended up in Indianapolis was your final game. Was that is that right? Uh, that is correct. Yes. Did you did you shed a tear that day when it was all over? Yeah, it was emotional. Um, I don't. Know, I mean, it was just it was hard because uh, you know in the season before you know even the last. 
two seasons before that. I never knew, quite knew if it was my last game. You know, so I walked off thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to be back. I never know. But that one I knew because I had, I had made it official um, that I was going to be done. Um, it was hard because that was something I had done my entire life. You know what I mean? Whether it was playing in high school and playing in college or to 14 years with the Jaguars. So that was going to be my final time walking off the field. Um, and I remember going over the sideline and, going to be the last time, you know, that I got to walk on the field like that or walk off the field. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely an emotional time and definitely a moment I'll always remember. So. Yeah, and uh, and I, I remember the scene. I was in Indianapolis, and it was almost one of those scenes where you, you don't you want a video because it was kind of a cool moment, but you almost don't want a video because you, it was almost yeah, like a private moment, moment, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and you can almost sense that uh, being in my position, uh, what I was. And... You know, we have to shout out to your wife, uh, Jamie. She's a saint, obviously, because uh, of she was home with the six girls all those all those years, um, and, and you know that. But speaking of family stuff, how cool was it when your daughter won the state championship uh, track and field earlier this year? That was very cool. Um, this is something that she um, had always wanted. You know, I mean, she she loves throwing shot and discus. Um, and so she actually went to state last year. Um, but one thing that she has struggled with, she had some knee issues. Um, it literally like had a serious, like where she could almost barely stand the year before, um, because of a knee issue. And then she ended up really fifth, um, to see how hard she had worked after that surgery. Um, cause she really wanted to get back there. Um, just seeing her work out through the winter and she was throwing discus inside our shed in the winter. Um, just because she wanted to go back. Um, so yeah, it, and I was more, I say I was more nervous on that catch I had. I think I was more nervous, um, that day than when she was throwing because I, I know she really wanted, and I could tell she was nervous, but, um, just to see her win that and how excited she was afterwards. She doesn't show a lot of emotion ever. She's very to herself, but you could tell that deep down inside she was, she was jumping for joy, um, was, was huge. I mean, I was just, That's awesome. I couldn't have been more proud. I mean, it was such a, such a great moment to see, you know, her goal come true. Um, and especially after such, you know, such a hardship the year before and have to have surgery and come back, um, met even more. So it was great. That's to cool. See. That's good. Good for her. All right, Brett, I got one more question for you, man. What's more of an adrenaline rush, uh, catching a, a, a pass, being a center in an NFL game or gator hunting? <laughs> Uh, I would have to say gator hunting. I would have to say. <laughs> if you have not done it, I mean, you live here in Florida. Do it, please. I mean, it is a rush. Um, I, I, you got time for a story or I got to go? Oh, we have time for a story, I think, real yeah, quick. Yeah, we got a couple yeah. minutes. So, all right, so I, I love gator When you go gator hunting, we are literally on an airboat flying around all night, you know, spotlighting. Um, and it's a rush when you come up on one of because it could either be a two-footer or it could be an 11-and-a-half-footer. Um, but the one rush that I did have was the year that I went, I killed an 11-and-a-half-footer. Um, and then my buddy was going to go. Um, so he got up in front of the boat. I'm sitting in the back of the boat. We go running at, We go after running after another one. We find a 10-footer, um, and he misses it. You know, he just barely misses it. So we stop the boat, the airboat right there, and so we could set everything back up. And I go, you know, I'm setting stuff up, so I go to get back in my seat in the airboat, and it's wet, and I slip, 
and I literally flip out of the boat into the water right where this 10-footer was. Um, I think I was the second person ever to walk on water that day because I literally <laughs> I hit the water, and I was up so fast. <laughs> that lettuce came right back, I'm telling you. I got out real quick. <laughs> because it, you were talking about adrenaline rush. That was an adrenaline rush, man. I'm telling that you. A, that's a close call right there. Uh, yeah. uh, good stuff. Hey, you coaching football again this year? I am. I'm coaching high school football. I'm working with the offensive line um, back in Iowa for our right. my high, the high school my kids are going to. Yeah. So. Awesome. Good stuff. Keep up the great work. Uh, hopefully we'll see you this weekend. If not, we'll see you uh, sometime in the summer or the fall. Uh, Brad Meester, Mr. Jaguar. That camouflage jacket from the NFL draft should be in Canton, Ohio, oh, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and down. Brad Meester should be in the pride of the Jaguars. Yes, Might happen uh, someday. Played more games than anybody else in a Jaguars uniform. 14 years here in Jacksonville. Thanks for uh, taking some time for us, man, on your trip back. Uh, we appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, hello to the family, hello to the Akerstroms as well when you have dinner with them uh, tonight. We'll be back on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Oh, that was a lot of fun catching up with Brad Meester, Mr. Jaguar, and uh, fun stories. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah. We, we could have kept going and going. That we could have, for sure. I had, a, I had a few more notes back in uh, back in my thing here, but uh, hey, there, there, there's always another time to have them on the show. Well, so I hope uh, hopefully people are enjoying catching up with some former yeah. Jags. And we said this uh, going into the week, and really what we're going to do all month long, it's not necessarily maybe the 25 greatest Jags players, which I think Jaguars.com is doing that uh, this summer, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I'm sure there are a bunch of different... Uh, 25th anniversary festivities going on around the team this year. But just trying to names you know, maybe it's something that you don't see. You know, like we, the Tony Baselli's, even Jeff Lagerman's of the yeah. world. Uh, we're, those those guys are very present still. Of course. And have you, been. And I'm not saying, hey, those guys come, on, up to. come on, oh, that, those <laughs> if you come on. Oh, those interviews as well. Uh, but uh, more so, some of the guys that you maybe haven't seen or talked to in a while. Um, and we're going to try to fill every single day in the month of June with former Jaguars players. Uh, Brad Meester, Russell Allen is coming up in just a little bit. We've got a uh, double dip of former Jaguars players here uh, tonight uh, to tell you about. 3 to 6, we are at Renna's Pizza, Neptune Beach. Come on out, I'll buy you a pineapple and ham small pizza <laughs> if you come on out uh, and say hello. Uh, we also have happy hour out here at Renna's Pizza, 2 for 1, 3 to 6, Monday through Friday. So every day, uh, not just today, Renna's Pizza, the five different locations, you can get 2 for 1 happy hour and... It's during our show. I mean, what better way to celebrate? Pretty convenient. And here's another way to celebrate happy hour, especially on a Friday with a little Vita de Luis tequila. Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders, and if you feel like it, grab a slice of pizza, too. Preferably not pineapple and ham, and if you're eating a burger, put it down. <laughs> All right. More people continue to say they put it down, by well, the way. Well, yeah, losing yeah, that one yeah, yeah you've you lost. It's, I, it's I, over. I've completely lost Please that concede. One. Hey, uh, locally owned tequila right here at Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita Diluit tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste. 
for locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit VitaDeLuis.com. Of course, drink responsibly. Uh, a lot to get to here. Five o'clock hour, uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Jaguars uh, did just sign an offensive lineman. It was not Brad Meester. Uh, Andrew Lauderdale. Uh, off of waivers from Arizona to make room on the roster. The team has waived tight end Farrell McKeever. Uh, so a little more offensive line depth for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Stay in your lane on the way. Uh, maybe a little baseball talk uh, for a moment. I want to mention Florida State plays LSU tonight. Super Regionals in Baton Rouge. Talk about two fantastic baseball programs. And that place should be buzzing because it always is in Baton Rouge for baseball. One win gets Mike Martin another season of 40 wins. They're at 39. Mm -hmm. And two wins gets Florida State back to Omaha. And what a story it would be if Mike Martin... uh, See, I think the, the, the story around Mike Martin, especially if you're not a Florida State fan, has always been, well, he hasn't won the World Series. I don't think he's winning the World Series this year. You they don't so? really have the team to do so. Who's, who's the team to beat right now? Do you know? Uh, UCLA, I think, is pretty good. Okay. Uh, I mean, the Mississippi States of the world are good. There's a lot of good teams that I don't think um, I don't think Florida State fits in that category. I don't, I don't think they're good enough to win the whole thing. Okay. Now, crazy things can happen in Omaha, and it's baseball. And they started to hit the heck out of the ball last weekend up in Georgia. Nobody would have predicted them to win that regional. Mm-hmm. Nobody's predicting them, I don't think, to beat LSU at LSU. But they could go to another World Series. And I think what a way to end it if they even just go there is the whole point of my story. I, I don't sure. think they're going to go there and win it. I think they can beat LSU two out of three. If the bats stay hot enough, uh, they don't have the entire team defense and pitching depth to probably go toe-to-toe with, with some of the best in the country. Um, but in a two out of three series, I like... I like the chances if their bats are alive like they were last weekend, and that's the biggest if. We'll see if it carries over uh, with a few days of rest. Um, so game one tonight for Florida State and LSU. Uh, either way, we are getting to the end of the Mike Martin era. And uh, who replaces Mike Martin has become a big story. Is it Mike Martin Jr.? Uh, Jeff Johnson is a name uh, from Chipola. Uh, that is certainly in play. There are some other names uh, as well, but... Who will get that job? And I don't think it's a slam dunk from people that I've talked to that know Florida State baseball better than me uh, that Mike Martin Jr. does get that job. But uh, that, there is going to be a storyline around Florida State baseball in the next couple of weeks, whether what happens this weekend and then what happens post-Mike Martin in terms of who replaces him. Certainly be tough to replace a legend. Any sport, I'd say it's the hardest thing to do in sports, Austin, mm-hmm. is to replace somebody that's so good. Coaching, player, anything on a team, I think it's the hardest thing to do. No, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, the argument's coming from me. Uh, well, there shouldn't be. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, what other, how about this? Uh, Women's World Cup begins sure. quietly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm well, not. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. You're you're not on board. Well, I'm just not going to be locked in if I'm being honest. I got you. But it's hard to deny, and, and this always comes up around this time or when the United States men's in the world men's soccer is in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the few sports, it might be the only, that women, well, it's not the only, because in the Olympics you have, like, gymnastics, and I think even figure, figure skating. skating but, you want me a soda? But they, or pineapple and ham pizza. Nah, we're good. <coughs> but, uh, 
women's soccer in the United States oh, is bigger. It's, it's bigger. Well, then, you know the, what? I mean, on a national team yeah, level, yeah. than men's soccer. And, and I'm not taking anything away from the ladies because what they've been able to accomplish, you know, in, in, in their runs. And no, they haven't won everything. You know, sometimes they get upset. But um, it says something about you know being. And let's be honest, the United States, it's filled with casual soccer fans. You don't see too many hooligans. Now, I think it is starting to rise a little bit with the MLS, you know, more uh, more cities yeah. getting teams, things like that. But, you have some. But, yeah. You have a good amount, really, yeah, but, but not the, the masses. For the most part, it's, it's right? not the yeah. masses, yeah. But I think any time that you have a chance to cheer for a winner, you know, because the USA loves to cheer for a winner, uh, and that's what the women of uh, the U.S. soccer team have been, um, it, it makes good television. You know, it makes it intriguing. And I think the U.S. women are definitely the favorites going into this World Cup this year again. Uh, it is in France, so I think France is a close number two. But um, if the women, you know, play like they're supposed to play, uh, they should probably win the whole thing again. Yeah. You know? But, be, I mean, hey, but that's why you watch it, though, because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it'll be pretty yeah. interesting to see. I, I think, uh, again, I'm not going to be locked into it, but, I, you know, there'll be... When they play, I think it will be a storyline uh, to see what happens. Let's go to the phone lines right now. South Beach, Gary, joining us uh, to finish off a Friday, uh, 5 o'clock hour on ESPN 690. What you got, South Beach, Gary? Good afternoon, uh, pineapple pizza, pizza. Do me a favor. Reach over and cuff him one, will you, Austin? Oh, absolutely, man. I, I got him for sure. So hey, Gary guys, is not the song on the, the, day, the, the wagon. <laughs> the song of the day, the Beatles, the long and winding road on a Friday. Ah, very good. Okay. Hey, Hey guys, the uh, job on WAPE at night. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the uh, you know the, the, this controversial call. I, I like to think the Boston fans got a little taste of their own medicine for the calls Tom Brady <laughs> got over the years. To me, it was just a little poetic justice. Karma. And throwing stuff, throwing stuff on the ice. How about a little class, Boston fans? Just a little bit of class. Yeah, I mean. Listen, hockey's a. You saw him fighting in in the stands too, you know, uh, Gary. So I mean, hockey's a. It's definitely a different sport. You should never throw anything on your own rink. That doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, but I mean, you you can't deny that, that that was a penalty, though. Would you agree with me? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, but uh, as I said, they they've definitely gotten the share though over the years in different sports. So uh, what comes around goes around. Is just my thinking on it, Austin. Hey guys, the. Uh, the seminal attendance, it went from 45,000 four years ago. I heard it's only 24,000 so far. And the uh, with the AD's uh, emphasis on kind of putting money into new sports, I'd like to know, do you guys do you guys think it's sustainable? Because they're, th- they're saying they're in a bit of a financial crunch considering, uh, you know, as big a name but universities got. Are they going to go more in the Clemson realm and concentrate more on football instead of a – trying to distribute the money of the, of the other sports is sustainable. And have a good weekend, guys. All right, you, you too, too, South Beach, Gary. Have a good weekend. You know, it is. It, you know, today the FSU Athletics Department and Seminole Boosters uh, came together to create the Florida State University Athletics Association. Okay. So they joined. Uh, and, and what they say is the restructuring is designed to, quote, improve coordination and planning between the two entities. <laughs> I, I think South Beach Gary brings up a, co- a good point there, and there is a lot of talk over in Tallahassee of almost, and this might be a little bit dramatic, of a financial crisis in their athletic department. You know, and and they are a a big program, a name school, a big brand, but they certainly do not have the dollars uh, at their disposal like so many other programs have. We're going to talk uh, next week. We're going to spend some time with Deshaun Reed, who actually wrote a fantastic article about uh, Sandalwood's Jeff Sims, who's, who's committed to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to join us early next week. We'll spend a little bit more time on that topic 
Uh, so we can do a little more homework on that topic, too. That was announced today. But there is there are rumblings about the, the financial um, uh, state of Florida State athletics. Sure. And... You know, even when it comes to what I just mentioned before, the the baseball coach and how much can they afford and what will they bring in to will they go get the best name in college baseball? It's been a great program, but it might cost them eight hundred grand, or do they go get somebody else? Might be three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So when you start making those kind of economical decisions, or at least the rumors are are of that, well, then you got to question what's going on financially. And uh, this move today also supports that that there might be an issue and you have to keep up with the arms race and i've always said this now about college football especially but where is the tipping point where we have so much money wrapped into college football that nobody wants to admit it's big business they still want to say it's amateur football it's big business it's not amateur football anymore and it's all about the dollars it's all about tv it's all about the the big checks the conferences are stroking especially in the sec and the big 10 well Where's the tipping point has always been my curiosity. I don't have an answer for you, but there will be a tipping point at some point. And Florida State might be feeling that. They might be one of the schools, and I'm sure there are others, that might be feeling that, even being a brand name in college athletics. So it's funny, and this is just my opinion on the state of college football right now, but I think we can say that college football from a money standpoint, from generating revenue is as big as it's ever been, correct? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So I find it ironic, though, with like, because you know, you now you have the ACC network, you have the Longhorn network, you have all these possible ways of of viewing college football. You had ESPN Plus. I mean, just pick your app, whatever. SEC network. Yeah. SEC network. You can watch international. Yeah. So you can watch college football, and I get it. That's a moneymaker. But what I think is going to happen, and we're starting to see a little bit of this now, and, and I get it. There, there's some outliers. I think UCF would be an outlier here, maybe Alabama. But you're starting to see the attendance go down a lot in college football. You know, And people want to point the finger and blame, well, so-and-so this, so-and-so this. I mean, to me, it's simple. It's like you, you, you created a, an environment where it's so easy to stream a game, where it's, it's a lot cheaper just to watch it from your home, where – who wants to go to a college football stadium, even get the experience anymore, and pay you know so and so amount of dollars uh, to to see it in person? You can just watch it off your cell phone. You can watch it off your laptop. I mean, college football now it's so accessible, and, and I understand that they did that because there's money in that. But the catch twenty two is if you keep going down that road, well then you're going to lose the the in game live experience. Yep. And, and I think at the end of the day, that's the most important fan. That's the most important part of college football. And that's an interesting take, too, because of where you're from, right? Wisconsin Badgers are big. Oh, yeah, hands down. Yeah, for but, sure. But so are the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the Packers are always going to be king over the right. Badgers, with all due respect. Where I'm from in New England, college football, nobody cares. Okay. Nobody. Okay. Like, they, they like Notre Dame because there's a bunch of Catholics in New England, you know? <laughs> yeah, but they yeah. don't. They liked Boston College for a minute because Doug Flutie was fun to watch. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, people don't care about it as passionately as they do in other parts of the country, especially in the South, but, but a lot of different parts of the country. And so to your point there, what I think is, is while I think you're, you're correct, I think there's other things going on there. Okay. One, college football, the pro sports are more corporate. College football speaks to the emotion, speaks to the, the heart a little bit, speaks to the loyalty and the passion. Like, you know it right here in Jacksonville, man. If you love Florida State, you are waving that banner oh, outside yeah. your house. You're putting it on your car, and, and you are doing the chop. Yes. If you're the Gators, you're doing the chomp, and you're doing wearing their colors, and it's the same thing. And we yeah. have the battles back and forth, and it's fun. I love it. I love to watch it. But, like, I have to grow into that. 
So if I'm an outsider from that, from I'm from New England or I'm from a pro town, mm-hmm. you have to kind of grow into that, and you never go. You're always on the outside because you're. Your parents, your grandparents, their parents weren't involved. See, that's what college football's built on that. It's like tradition. decades of tradition and tradition and tradition. Pro sports is not built on that as much. There are some. Green Bay is actually one. Chicago's probably one. The Giants are one. But pro sports, again, tend to be more corporate, uh, at, just at its, at its base. I'll give you that. And, so, and the other thing that's taken place is the NFL has become so popular that now – these younger generations in those traditional Gator or Knowles or Georgia or Alabama families are now fighting against the NFL beast, too. Mm. Like, so if if your kid grows up, is he playing fantasy football and he really cares about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and all these guys and would rather see that game on Sunday rather than go to the swamp or go to Tallahassee or anywhere like that, especially if your team hasn't really been that good? Yeah. And I no, think that's what they're fighting a little bit in college football with the ups and downs and the long. Uh, like the Gators have struggled this decade. Uh, the Knolls are in the middle of a little bit of a struggle. We'll see how long it lasts. Mm-hmm. Texas struggled for a long time. Oh, Michigan yeah. struggled for a long time. You're talking about big time college programs. Miami is a great example of it. So I think uh, well, there's a lot of pulling at it that takes away from those just normal traditions of. Of okay, little Johnny's coming to the game, and when yeah. he's 14, he's going to go to the game. When he's 24, he's going to go to the game. Then he's going to bring his kids to the game. I think we're seeing a cycle, and partially, partially because uh, sometimes the teams aren't great, but I think bigger is the NFL has stolen away some of those folks. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. The, those are some great points. And, and this th- town is a great example of yes, it. This is an but, NFL town. But but it's funny that you mentioned tradition, and and maybe uh, I'm speaking out of turn here, but like I feel like even when I was a kid, it didn't matter like how the Badgers were doing, how the Michigan Wolverines were doing. Like it didn't matter if they won, you know, three games all year if they're undefeated. Like people still went to the, those games to support the team because it was tradition. Yep. And nowadays, I feel like. Um, especially, I mean, you can name NFL teams too or college football where it's like if your team's not doing well, if they're not a front runner, uh, people don't want to be associated with it. People would rather watch it on, on TV, and, and I think it's kind of messed up. You know, it's kind of messed up. The, 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 the tradition, you know, has yeah. kind of gone downhill. Well, times change. Uh, times are times changing, change, and there's yeah. not one answer. It was oh. big TVs. Now it's not big TVs anymore because we're watching them on this little thing too, <laughs> and it's beer is cheaper, and I want to hang out yeah. in my neighborhood, and I want to go to this or the beach or somewhere else. There's a lot of different answers uh, to tell you why. Hey, by the way, Tyler Callahan, who we had on earlier in the show, uh, signs reportedly with the uh, Cincinnati Reds, so he's going pro, not to South Carolina, and he got double his slot money to sign, like a million and a half bucks is the report. Cha-ching! Yeah, very good uh, for him. When we come back, our 25th season series for the Jags continues with a little double dip. Former linebacker Russell Allen joins us from the West Coast next on ESPN 690. Welcome back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Arenas Pizza, Neptune Beach. Come on out. You have until 6 o'clock. I'll buy you a pineapple and ham pizza. Yep, that's what we'll do. At least come on out and say hello out by the beach. Newest we, we, location. We, we probably could have had like 200 people here, but you keep insulting people by threatening to buy them a pineapple pizza. Well, I probably didn't want to pay for 200 pepperoni and cheese pizzas. That's a good, that's a good call, Brent. Well, it's, it's also a tax write-off. You'll, you'll be all right. <laughs> Thanks just, for just worrying about my taxes. You're welcome, man. Hey, if you need someone to do those for you, uh, I can get in, get in touch with that guy. I can't do them. <laughs> but I'll, <laughs> I I'll, you were going there. No, I, come on, man. You know I suck at math. Uh, speaking of, um, we had a burger breakdown before. 
the, the latest yeah, one Yeah, I is, won. What? Logan Bennett says, who on God's green earth holds the burger the entire right, time? Right, like literally a psychopath. Yeah, so, so it must be me. Yeah. Uh, let's welcome in uh, former Jaguar linebacker Russell Allen to the show now. It's been a lot of fun celebrating the 25th season of the Jaguars. We're doing it all uh, month long, every day on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. From Jimmy Smith to Keenan McCardell to Maurice Jones-Drew to Rasheen Mathis. And earlier in the show, we had Brad Meester on, now former linebacker Russell Allen, who I think still resides in San Diego, where the weather's probably good. What's up, man? Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. Russell, man, long time no see, dude. I know, way too long, way too long, man. Good to hear your voice. Are you, uh, are you out in San Diego? What are you doing now? This is one of the things, not just talking about the former Jags days, but I think the last time we caught up with you, you were coaching some football, if I'm not mistaken. Are you still involved in the game? Well, no, not at the moment, actually. Um, so currently I'm working in the exciting world of insurance. Um, but I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I am in San Diego uh, with my family. My, my, my two boys are, are uh, not so little anymore. My, my oldest will be eight in the fall, and my youngest is about to turn five. Um, so time, time goes fast. Hard to believe that they're growing so quickly. But, yeah, we're, we're out here just kind of you know, enjoying the beautiful, sunny San Diego weather. That's uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, how connected do you stay now to the Jaguars and what they've done from the, the fun of 2017 to the disappointment of a year ago? Yeah, you know what? It's been really cool. Um, so so when I stopped playing, my, my youngest son was uh, just two, and, and my wife was pregnant with our second one. And so now, as I said, they're, they're much older, and they have become the world's biggest Jaguar fans. Um, oh, cool. Nice. And so it's, it's really fun to, to watch the games with them and to, to kind of you know talk about who the players are and, and what they're doing and, and, and watch the games. But yeah, it's, just, it's been really, really cool. So we stay pretty, we stay pretty connected. All right, so the real question here is, do they walk around the house, and did you make them a number 50? Uh, jersey um did you, did you give them a 51 for puzzlesny i mean uh, or, or are they going they would, or... <laughs> <laughs> they would have probably gone with the 51 if it was up to them but no mostly just, just jaguar t-shirts and and they've got you know jaguar blankets on their beds and all the stuffed animals and all the fun stuff so very good uh how about the 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 locker room day how many stories do you share from the locker room and and maybe maybe you have some about austin lane but do, do, do you spend a lot of your your dinners you're you're going out with some buddies talking about the the times in the locker room in the nfl definitely yeah definitely i mean that's that's what you miss the most you know um i mean we all love the game of football and we all love you know all that comes with that but but being in the locker room with the guys is is, you know really what i think you cherish the most is the relationships that you make and that, that precious time you spend so much time with all those guys you know um going through so many things that but that's what you take with you, and that's that's what you miss the most. So yeah, we we spend a lot of time, you know, swapping stories. Some of those I don't share with my boys just yet. But uh, <laughs> but no, Russell, I got. Yeah, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Go ahead. Uh, so Russell, I got to ask you, man, because so when I came in there in 2010, and you already went with the organization and everything. Um, you you started out as a special teams guy predominantly, you know, and then you're a backup linebacker, and you really, you know, and if I remember one, because we've been talking about what I remember from, you know, all my teammates that I played with, and we have them on the interviews, and the thing that, that always stood out about you, man, is that you fought tooth and nail to earn every rep that you got, you know, from that starting linebacker position back, it would have been 2012. Um, can you just kind of talk about the journey a little bit, kind of the mindset that you had to come in, you know, kind of as, as a guy on the outside looking in, and to actually be a, you know, a pretty legit starter for that Jaguars linebacking core. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, the reality is, what you, like exactly what you said, my, my start was uh, less than ideal. You know, I was an undrafted free agent, and I kind of came in and, and had to do it the hard way. And, and, you know, I think from the very beginning, I realized that every day that I was there was, was a blessing. It was an opportunity, and um, and I just wanted to make the most of it. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I was, um, you know, willing to do whatever it took to, to contribute to the team, first of all, and, and to, you know, to, to find a way to get myself on the field in as many ways as possible. And that's why I was – you know, back at long snapper and, and actually kicked off in a game one time. Not sure if you guys remember that one. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Which <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just had to do everything that I could to contribute. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was, it was, uh, like I said, every day that I was there was a blessing. Um, and, and, I, and that's what I try to share with my boys now, you know, not just about football, but about life. Is that, you know, you got to take advantage of opportunities that you're given and make the most of them. And, and that's kind of what, you know, my, my career was about for me. So. Yeah, and you have a different perspective on that. We'll get to that in a bit. But, Tell us more about the story behind kicking off. And had you ever kicked? I mean, we'll get the background, the, the, how nervous were you? We just caught up with Brad Meester about catching a pass. Uh, nobody asked him to kick off, though. Yeah, no. So the, the funny story about that is that it all started about a year prior. Um, we were, you know, Austin, you, I'm sure you remember we were doing the, the guest kicker every Friday at practice. Here, <laughs> of course. Yep. And yep. Uh, so, so what they would do is we would have some random person, usually someone in the organization other than a player, would come out and get an opportunity to kick a field goal on Friday. Um, and, and, you know, and if you made it, you'd get a certain amount of money or whatever it was. It was all in, all in good fun. Well, uh, the year prior, it had happened to be my turn, and I kicked a 50-yard field goal and, and happened to make it. And so after afterwards, Coach Del Rio comes up and he says, hey, you know, you're, you're the emergency kicker now. And I kind of laughed it off. and said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm like, okay, never in my life at any level had I ever kicked in a game. Um, but, you know, I had made a 50-yard field goal. So fast forward a year later, having kicked the ball since, and it's raining, and, you know, we put, played the whole game on defense, and, and Scobie's, I think it was his groin or something, was tight. And sure enough, uh, that was with Coach Tucker. Mel was the uh, was the interim head coach, and he said, hey, you're up. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I just grabbed the key, went out there, and gave it my best shot. But uh, uh, needless to say, it was not my not my finest hour. If you, if you look, I think it went 17 yards or something. <laughs> hey, don't tell everybody that part of the story, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, oh, it's okay. It was, it was a fun memory. Not, not, you know, how many people have been about kicking statistics, you know, right? So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. Um, from undrafted free agent to uh, emergency kicker uh, for the, right. the more, Jaguars. The more you can NFL. do. <laughs> the, you know, obviously, I think of uh, all the linebackers. I think of you got everybody who ended up playing with Paul Pazlozny. And it just seemed like, and I've talked to you plenty of times in the past about Puzz, uh, just how impactful, memorable. I mean, that's a guy I think, you know, you'll, you'll be 75 years old on the porch and you'll be still telling stories probably about Paul Puzlesny. Uh, can, can, you, can you put it in perspective uh, what it was like to be in the room with him day to day? Uh, any stories you share about Puzz uh, when you're talking to your buddies back home? Yeah, I mean, I was... Uh... I was one of the most fortunate guys because I was not only there for, for multiple years with Puzz, but with Daryl Smith too. And, and between the two of those guys, such contrasting styles, um, but two of the most absolute stand-up professionals, you know, men of character, leaders, um, obviously tremendous football players and guys that, that played the same position as me that I, that I just, you know, looked up to and emulated and respected and, and, forged personal friendships with as well. I mean, I still keep regular contact with both of those guys. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, specific to Puzz, I mean, it was, yeah, just what you see is what you get, um, you know, from his preparation 
to his, uh, you know, time in the weight room, to his film study, to the way he plays on the field, to the way he leads and gets, you know, the way that other, other people want to, you know, emulate what he's doing and play the way that he does. I mean, yeah, he's just, you name it, from top to bottom, he's just as, as good as it gets, uh, you know, in a professional football player. And so I know that it was, for me, watching uh, a couple of years ago when, when they went on that playoff run and everything, that was that was the coolest part of it for me, was, was getting to see him finally have that, that success, not only, you know, personally, but, but for the team. It was just it was really special to see. So, yeah, he's, he gets the highest praise for me. Uh, you know, Russell, when it comes to talking about the NFL, man, we always, uh, or I would say probably a majority of the players, um, we don't get told, you know, we keep on playing. Usually we, we walk away uh, without our own power. You know, I mean, someone just says you can't play anymore. But for you, um, it's actually a different set of circumstances. Uh, do you mind just kind of touching on that a little bit if you want to, exactly what happened with you um, in, in, in your final career and what made you kind of walk, walk away from the game of football? Yeah, I mean, so back in uh, 2013, um, I, I took a hit to the head and, and suffered a stroke um, actually on the field during the game uh, against Buffalo. Um, and, yeah, it was, um, you know, it was a sudden halt to, to everything that I had, you know, worked for and, and planned for and, and, you know, had looked ahead towards and the things that I thought I was building in my career and all of that was, was basically immediately over. Um, and there was a, a three or four month period there where there was a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of, you know, medical uncertainty and a lot of things that were, were really scary, but, um, in, in reality, it was you know about the best case scenario that you could ask for, given what I had uh, gone through. Uh, you know, physically today, as, as we speak, I'm I'm doing great. I have you know very little if any issues, um, but it was just football was was no longer an option for me. Um, and so yeah, it was needless to say a very difficult time uh, for myself and for my family. Um, but you know, it was it was just my time to be done. Did you, Russell Allen, with us, former Jags linebacker and, and uh, Austin, his former teammate, just brought up that situation in 2013. Uh, did you think it was just a concussion? Did you know it was something more? I mean, how how aware of what was go- going on at that time were you? Yeah, it was it was strange, Brent. I mean, so I took the hit, and I remember you know exactly when it happened, and I remember exactly you know how it happened, and all of that. And it wasn't like a, an overly dramatic hit or or anything that was frankly, all that out of the ordinary. Um, you know, I, I took a hit. I, ha- I had, you know, what you would maybe call like a flash or, or, you know, what we would call getting your bell rung, that type of, that type of thing. And just kind of shrugged it off and, and kept playing like, like I had done in the past, you know, other times and didn't think too much about it. Um, and then it was, you know, roughly 25, 30 minutes later, standing on the sideline between series and, and had some serious vision trouble, um, which, you know, it was concerning for me, but it was in the middle of the game, and I was just trying to, to figure out if I could keep playing and, and, and manage to shake it off and go back out there and finish the game. So, no, to answer your question, I didn't really think anything of it initially. Um, you know, when you say the word stroke after the fact, it sounds it sounds scary and it sounds so dramatic, and, and of course it is scary after the fact, but at the time it really didn't feel like much at all. Um, and that was, you know, why I, did, why I made the decision that I did, which was to go back out and finish the game, um, which, you know, in, in retrospect probably wasn't the right one, but no, yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it wasn't until – so that was obviously Sunday. It wasn't until Tuesday afternoon uh, after having some imaging done and meeting with neurologists and all of that that we were able to figure out what exactly had happened. Yeah, so you retire in 2014, uh, I think it is, um, and you're still only 32 years old. Did that situation change at all or maybe bring to the forefront, one as a dad, uh, allowing your kids to play ball, or secondly – about the NFL in general and how you view player safety and how in tune you are with maybe this upcoming CBA and things that go on 
uh, to try to improve player safety in the NFL today? Yeah, great question. I mean, so so the first part of your question with with my boys, you know, that's something that um, is an ongoing conversation, you know, between my wife and I, and frankly with my boys, it's not something that we've shied away from talking about with them. Um, they know as much as they're able, they know what, what I went through and what happened to me and, and how dangerous the game is. Um, but they also know the other side of it and how, what a, you know, what a blessing it was in my life and all the amazing, not only experiences that I had, but amazing things that the game taught me at every level and, and all of that. And so, yeah, we're, we're pretty open about that with them. Um, you know, the, what, where we're at is we've decided that, that they won't play tackle football at least until high school. Um, and, and that buys us some time to, to kind of, you know, see where the game is and, and where we're at and kind of, you know, make that decision at the time. Um, so that's, that's I guess, how I'd answer that. As for the rest of it, you know, I think that um, it kind of goes hand-in-hand with what I was just saying. I, I really do see both sides of the equation. I think football is inherently a very, very dangerous game. Um, and I think to play it the way that it, it needs to be done, I think that you can't completely remove that from it. Um, and so I, I think, you know, it, it makes it really difficult. Um, to, to come to any type of, of conclusion when, when uh, you know, you're able to see both sides. There's so many benefits. There's so many amazing things. I know, Austin, I'm sure you would say the same, that, that you, yeah. you sit where you do today, you know, in large part because of your experiences in the game, right? And, and so myself and anybody else I know that has, has played the game for any length of time, you know, uh, gains from that time. But, you know, the, the risk-reward of that is, is serious as well. And so I do, you know, I, I do see that. I, I do find myself in conflict there. Um, you know, my hope is just that, that everyone that plays the game and makes that decision for themselves is, um, understands the risk that they're taking and, you know, does what they can to protect themselves. And, and that's, that's really the best way I can say it at this point. Russell, a question I haven't really asked in any of these interviews yet, but I was kind of saving for you because I feel like, you know, we kind of have the same personality when we play. You know, we're, we're very intense individuals. Uh, we we might have gotten a few fights, you know, in training camp against the offense and stuff like that. A few? Uh, eh, well, me, me, maybe more than Russell, but I remember Russell got a, a few skirmishes as well, man. But, you know, like, so so I feel like, you know, when, when, when we're in the locker room and, and when we're playing the game, uh, you know, forever how long we played, I mean, we don't really have time to sit back and reflect because we're always about tomorrow, you know, like we don't really have a, a lot of time to sit down and reflect. So now that you've kind of, you know, you've been out of the game a couple years and everything, I mean, you've had time to reflect a little bit. What's the biggest thing that you take away from playing in the NFL and playing on the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. You know, I think that that the one thing I'm constantly reminding myself of, or, or I guess thinking of when I look back on that time is, um, yeah, it sounds kind of silly, but I feel like I wish I'd enjoyed it more. Um, you know, I sure. think that, like you said, you're always looking to the next thing. You're always kind of concerned about, you know, what's what's going to happen here or, what, or the, the upcoming game or, or your performance or the team's performance or the coach's status or all of the different things. And, and that's the reality of, of the world that you live in in the NFL. Um, but, but now being out of the game for, for going on six years and, you know, my family having moved on and, and you know, it, it being – at this point, just a distant memory, you know, a great one. But I, I feel like had I had the perspective I have now, then um, would have allowed me to, to really be more present and, and enjoy those times and, and just, you know, understand what an incredible opportunity it was to, to put on an NFL uniform, uh, specifically, obviously, even better at Jaguar one. That's absolutely insane, man, because that's probably my exact answer as well. So good call, man. That's, that's yeah, insane. you talked about it before, yeah. too, but I think it's really hard. In fairness to you guys, I mean, you're, you're – 
especially you come, you're an undrafted guy, you're a fifth round guy. I mean, you're fighting for your your roster spot all the time and for playing time. I think it's easier said than done. I, I mean, I think probably everybody has a facet of their life that they wish they could have enjoyed a little bit more. Um, so I get it, but. Uh, when you're fighting, 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 especially in that kind of game, I, I get why you can't enjoy it as well, especially when you got media members just asking stupid questions all the time. Uh, you know, that's, but, of, of all the things, Brent, that's the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, as we wrap now, up with, now with Austin with a headset on. <laughs> oh, I know, right? I'm on the dark side now, dude. <laughs> as, as we wrap up yeah, with uh, uh, Russell Allen, a former Jaguars linebacker, let me ask you this, uh, and, and kind of related uh, I know we're talking about some serious stuff, but I think it's great perspective from you. Austin now, you know, he plays in the NFL for four or five years. Uh, now he's fighting in the MMA, but he's also doing this radio stuff. He's only 31 years old. You're, I think, uh, 32 years old. It might be 31 or 33, but you're around there. Um, is, was it hard or is it hard life after football? Once you're done with the sport at such a young age, you've coached a little bit. You're doing insurance now. Is Is it as difficult as I might think it is to – find that next path uh, for so many of you guys? Yeah, man, you know what? <clears throat> that has been one of the most interesting parts of this whole thing for me um, is I've had conversations with, with countless guys um, that had varying lengths of careers and, and successful, you know, varying degrees of success. And, you know, the ways that they came out of the game were all different and their plans afterward are all different. But to a man, every single one of them has – similar challenges and experiences and thought processes and, uh, that they go through in those years, you know, post-retirement. And it's, it's really been interesting for me because, um, you know, I, I obviously, as we talked about already, my, my retirement was sudden. It was kind of thrust on me. I, you know, in my perspective at the time, I thought, oh, I have you know, a few years left. I'm kind of, you know, the prime of my career. And, you don't you know, expect to go out and go the way that it did. And so it was kind of forced on me. But um, the, the point being, yeah, it's very, very difficult um, not only because you miss the game and you miss the locker room, like we talked about earlier, and you miss the guys. That's that's frankly the easy part, at least for me. Um, you know, the challenging part was, okay, what now? You know, not only um, you know maybe practically, like what am I going to do for, for income or what am I going to do with my time, but but who am I now? And you know, the dynamics with your family and all the things that that come along with that that you that you really can't prepare for. You know, um, even even guys that have career plans afterwards. You know, the the it's the internal stuff that makes it tough. It's it's kind of redefining yourself and redefining your family and and the roles and and, and the dynamics and all the all those things are, are what make it difficult, at least in my experience. Yeah, and talking to you guys and being around you guys and uh, over the years, I think it is one of the most fascinating things from the outside because if you take a school teacher at 27, 28, 30 years old, they're going through life changers anyway, from getting married to kids to all sure. those things. Yeah. And then you throw on top of it something that you always did, and you competed at a level that few people can understand. Yeah. And then you no longer have that. I always find it interesting. But it sounds like you're doing well, man. you got a beautiful family out there in beautiful San Diego, and uh, you sound great. I'm glad you're healthy after what happened at the end of your career. And uh, now just go make a lot of money selling insurance. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, it was, it was great, great catching up with you guys. You know, uh, I, I definitely, like I said, trying to follow as closely as I can from afar. Um, and, you know, always, always staying in tune with the Jags. So thanks again for, for having me on. I'm glad to be a part of the, the 25th anniversary celebration. Pretty awesome. Uh, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, Russell. Good to hear from you, man. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you later. All right, Russell Allen, former Jaguars linebacker with uh, some, some fantastic perspective. Cool I think stuff, some people man. forgot how his career ended. Yeah. Uh, and um, 
too soon, but yeah. doing well, and, and most importantly, from a health standpoint, mm-hmm. doing really well. Uh, a lot of feedback. I think the NFL can learn from so many of these different stories, you know, on the feedback. And I think they are. NFLPA, yeah. that's their responsibility. Sure. The pain committee that Rasheen Mathis talked yep. about yesterday. Yeah. Uh, what a fun week it's been. Uh, and we're just getting started with celebrating the Jaguars. Oh, we got a lot more next week. Season. <laughs> Uh, we'll do more next week and, and hear from some of your Jaguars, your favorite Jaguars from over the years. When we come back, we put a bow on the show. The craziest parents in youth sports. Who do you think they are? <laughs> oh, I got that. Uh, Hands down. A little uh, stay in your lane. And game four, critical game four. Usually game five is a swing game. I feel like this is a big one in the NBA Finals tonight. We'll touch on that before we end the week. Here from Renna's Pizza, Neptune Beach. Better hurry up. I'm buying pineapple on M pizza until 6 o'clock. Line of the day from Coos just moments ago as Nick, our uh, boss man, stops by here at Renna's Pizza. Yeah. Uh, he probably wants me to buy him a pineapple and ham pizza. So that's why it stopped by. Nick, is that correct? Oh, wow. But no, going against in the my background word. of the camera, Coos sees Nick and says, did he just order a salad? Yeah. Well. Dumbfounded. I've told you this before. Renna's fantastic salads. Everything's subs. fresh. Subs, too. Sandwiches, fresh bread, make their own bread. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, five locations for Renna's. Marsh Landing, Bay Meadows, Argyle Forest, San Jose. And right here, the newest location is Neptune Beach, now a year old. And a beautiful spot right here by the beach. So come on out. Uh, happy hour, two for one, three to six, Monday through Friday. That might be the best kept secret in Jacksonville. So we're not making it a secret anymore. Make sure you come on out uh, during the summer hours. Pool parties, go to Rennes. Uh, by the beach and want to stop home on the way? Stop by Rennes right here, Neptune Beach uh, or Marsh Landing, probably the two closest uh, to the beaches here in the Jacksonville area. A little bit of news to pass along. The Texans fired GM Brian Gain after one season. They went 11-5 and last year. After the draft, they're firing him. Now, it's interesting because Gain took over for Rick Smith, who took a leave of absence because um, his, his wife was battling breast cancer. They signed, though, Gain at that time to a five-year contract. He made it through one year of the contract, and they fire the Houston Texans GM. There seems to be a little bit more to this story yeah, that we I'm haven't sure heard we'll, yet. We'll but that's the that. news that just came out a short time ago out of Houston within the last ten minutes that uh, the GM of the Houston Texans has been fired. Time for Stay in Your Lane. Stay in Your Lane. Uh, it's UFC this week in Brent. UFC 238 coming from Chicago. Uh, listen, it's it's a pretty stacked card, one that you, you have to watch on pay-per-view. But uh, the, the fight I'm looking forward to most of this is not even the main event or the co-main event. It's actually the the, the, the third-to-last fight of the card, and that's Tony Ferguson, El Kukui. You know what El Kukui means? No. It means the boogeyman. Oh, uh, I like it. He's taking on Donald Cerrone, an and nickname. listen, this is a this is a fight that's got a lot of implications. The number one being, if the winner of this fight is probably going to fight for the title next. But um, Tony Ferguson's a guy who's shown all that, shown all the tools. He has all the skill sets. Um, he has kind of an, an orthodox style of striking, and he's got great ga- ground game. But um, it, it's the mental part, you know. He's coming off a kind of a layover where he had some mental issues, you know, and uh, we don't have to get into those necessarily. But you know, the cops were involved and everything like that. There was some 
domestic disputes going on. So Ferguson's making his comeback now. And then Donald Cerrone, a guy who's, you know, turned back the hands of time a little bit, has been doing it forever and has found himself on a new win streak thanks to the birth of his son. Uh, he, he found something new that he's fighting for, as he says. So this is going to be a barn burner of a matchup. It's only three rounds, unfortunately, which kind of sucks, but it's still going to be a good one. Then we have Valentina Shachenko versus Jessica I in the co-main event. And then uh, and that's for the women's flyweight title. And then the bantamweight title is the main event. Henry Cejudo, the former Olympian, taking on Marlon uh, Marias. So pretty pretty full card. There's the card. How about there a little go. pump your brakes? Pump your brakes. Um, yeah, I, I want to get your opinion on this, Brent, uh, just from the outside looking in here. Um, so as you know, today is uh, it's the WWE Superstar Showdown, and they're doing it in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you don't have to be a wrestling fan, but I just want to get your, your output on this. So... Uh, since it's in Saudi Arabia, the female wrestlers can't wrestle mm-hmm. because they don't allow that there. Also, there's a wrestler by the name of Alistair Black who is not allowed to wrestle because he has a tattoo uh, that promotes women's equality. So he, he wasn't allowed to wrestle. And then Sami Zayn, another popular guy right now of the brand, was not allowed to wrestle either because of his Syrian heritage. Um, what do you what do you think about that? Like, I mean, and I understand it's a good opportunity from the points because. Vince McMahon's getting a lot of money, and it's a lot of money for the company. But, I mean, what, yeah, what, what I, do you take, stand on my, the, on the uh, Without a d- deep dive, and yeah. I've seen the story headlines before, but never really deep yeah. dove into it, mm-hmm. uh, if that even makes sense. Um, but I would say I wish the WWE did not go there then. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and then take a stand. You're big. Yeah. Uh, it makes it feel all about the dollars yeah. to me. And I understand mm-hmm. that's part of business. But uh, I would have liked to see them not. Yeah, and you know, and and I kind of share the same uh, the same opinion. So I just want to get your your opinion on it. That's all right. All I Speaking do. of opinions, game yeah. four tonight. Uh, no uh, Durant, uh, Clay Thompson. Have we heard yet? Is he going to play? Ty says yes, he's going to play. Yeah, I think Clay Thompson's coming back. Ty has uh, deemed Clay Thompson healthy enough to yeah. play. So I'm going to say the Raptors are going to win because I truly think that the Warriors are going to win, but every team I pick ends up losing. So I'm going with the Raptors winning, but secretly the Warriors are going to win. It's like you just picked your favorite color to win the NCAA tournament. There you go. Well, Matt, that's where I'm at right now, Brent. I'm getting desperate. I'll, uh, say, I'll take the hockey picks. Coos, an update. Nick is now pounding his way through a piece of pizza. Oh, calling him All out. Right, Not we're pineapple getting on ham, though. Calling so, him uh, out. Just to make you feel a little bit better. Uh, craziest uh, parents in what youth sports? See, to me, it's hands down. Uh, growing up in Wisconsin, yes, parents can be crazy in baseball, basketball, football games, but you know what? Hockey has beer that you can get at the concession stands. Anytime you add alcohol into the mix, it's not even a debate. Hockey parents are absolutely the craziest. My sister owns three cheerleading gyms, competitive cheerleading gyms up north. Cheerleading parents. You're the craziest. Okay. Well, maybe I'll have to worry about that one day with Ronan. I hope not, but you never know. You never know how things go. You never know. Hey, hope you have a great weekend. Uh, come on out to Renna's Pizza any day, but Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, 2 for 1, happy hour. Uh, some of the best pizza around. Five different locations. Renna's Pizza, we were at Neptune Beach here today. Thanks for the hospitality. Hope you have a fantastic weekend, everybody. And thanks to, for listening to ESPN 690. Action Sports Jacks, primetime all weekend long. We'll see you on TV, CBS 47, and Fox 30. ESPN.
ESPN 690. And about the only thing that you can say about Bryce Harper is that he ain't Mike Trout. But I got news for you. He might be in a better situation than Mike Trout. The biggest names in sports radio. Kyler Murray's a 10 and Josh Rose is an 8 for this offense. You go Kyler Murray, you trade Rose. And if they're both 9s, then you keep Rose and draft Nick Bosa. On the biggest signal in Jacksonville. And I think Nick led us on a historic run. And I wish him the best in Jacksonville. He's one of the best teammates I've ever had. This is ESPN 690. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.